0: All right, coming to you today from beautiful Quebec, Canada. If you uh, want to hear more about
1: uh, the adventures on this uh, trip that we're on right now, Nate B. Duncan is uh, the Instagram. But as a podcast listener, you probably don't care about me personally. In the slightest, you care about NBA basketball. And that's what we're here to talk about with the offseason grades for the Eastern Conference. Why don't we start with the Hawks, Danny?
2: The Hawks are definitely a, a good one to kind of go through the idea of our rubric. And it it is the idea that it's how well you did with the assets that you had so whatever the timeline was so if it's a team that's a, a longer ways off like the atlanta hawks then it's not as much about how much did you improve your expected wins for this year but how much better did you get according to the timeline that is appropriate for you based on the assets and i'll start with with really i mean the added lost and all that is pretty incredible for the hawks so in the draft they ended up adding deandre hunter cam reddish bruno fernando and then overall they also added evan turner Barry Parker, Alan Crabb, Damian Jones, Chandler Parsons, and a Brooklyn first round pick, lottery protected. And then they lost. Deadman Prince, Baysmore did some pick stuff that we'll talk about. Um, Adams, Spellman, Miles Plumlee, and Deontay Davis. So they did a lot to be sure.
1: Yeah, and probably worth noting as well, other than just the the raw ins and outs, the trades that were made. So you recall the DeAndre Hunter trade, they had the number 8, 10, 17, and 35 picks. They traded three of those, 8, 17, and 35 for Hunter, and also had to take back $12 in relatively dead salary in Solomon Hill in that deal. Do you want to just talk about that deal in isolation here and your evaluation of it so far?
2: Sure. So generally speaking, there's a historical element of this. I was thinking, back to the uh the trade where Nurkic and gary harris ended up in in denver that is that is correct right those guys were in the the, the chicago right yeah, um, yeah yeah
1: that was uh 16 and 19 for mcdermott 11. Yeah. yeah
2: and so generally in these trades the team that trades down in terms of of pick quality like you know aggregate pick quality does better i i firmly believe that that's the case here and how you can make up for that is by the player who you move up for outperforming their draft slot and my read on it right now we we only saw Hunter for like 13 minutes, and I and I I've liked generally what I've seen is that I mean there was a player at, at eight in Seku Dembuya who they did not take who I actually liked or who who I actually liked better than who who they ended up taking at four so and they could have taken Seku at, at ten as well yeah.
1: but and who knows it might have even been possible that Hunter would have been there already.
2: sure and and so I think sometimes teams especially because this wasn't a Luca situation where it was a guy who was unquestioned like, not unquestionably, who was likely better who who just fell further yeah, than he th- should that's have
1: that's what it is right I mean these trades up if the guy is actually special that's when you're it might be worth it right the Luka one you could say the Mavs probably won that one if you're trading up for like the number one pick or something like that or a guy that you think is going to be a foundational superstar player okay then maybe you can justify it sometimes you're right there sometimes you're wrong that's just that isn't Hunter it's just not going to be and I think that's where you're going there
2: it is exactly where I was going and so having more bites at the apple even though the Hawks have just an ungodly amount of draft picks could have been useful you know uh, Nikhil Alexander was looking very good for where' it was picked. The, the 35th pick has value as well because it's pretty high in the second round. You can do can do a lot of different things, especially as a team with cap space, which the Hawks started the summer as. And so that's an one element of like kind of how you used resources. I didn't particularly like that. And that's really a through line for me with a lot of a lot of what they did. So, like Basemore for Turner, not only do I see that as a downgrade for them in terms of talent, I think Kent Bazemore Basemore is a superior player, but that led to a couple of cascading problems that I think could be much bigger for the Hawks than people are letting on. And that is them not. Having a true backup point guard, so they're planning on using Evan Turner as the primary ball handler on the second unit, and eh, you know, maybe maybe that's okay. But there will be time when Trey Young is in foul trouble. There will be time when Trey Young is hurt, and they do not have another capable backup point guard on this roster. So maybe as Travis Schlank, you go you go through this offseason thinking, you know, we're not going to be competitive, we're not going to do it. But they added a lot of veterans. They added a lot of pieces where maybe they're not expecting to make the playoffs, but there's functionality. But you can't leave a huge absence like the one they created I harped on this for like two years ago with Brooklyn that it was a huge problem for them and while Sean Marks has done a really good job that was a big negative in their season they ended up becoming oversaturated point guard but they weren't at that time this was three years ago and so those sorts of things as well you know like trading trading for Chandler Parsons yeah Chandler Parsons like there you can make an argument that Chandler Parsons went healthy is better than Solomon Hill or Miles Plumley. but if he makes it on roster and Memphis clears one or both of those roster spots then it's a different use of resources as well Damian Jones for Amari Spellman I mean that's yeah, well,
1: kind of quickly on the on the Parsons thing I think uh, yeah you know you're basically trading a the flexibility of a potential roster spot because I think they want to keep him around just you know for potential matching salary and you know salary dump trades uh, as an expiring contract and so to only have to use up one roster spot for that instead of two your other problem though is that Parsons is such a big salary that you may not get the movability that you would uh, with Hill and Plumlee if you wanted to do smaller deals to, with expiring contracts so I, I that's basically a wash, ultimately, and and I do think Parsons, eh, you know, could help them if, by some miracle, he's able to contribute. Uh, so I just wanted to get it up.
2: Yeah, no, 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 that's good. And then the other use of resources, which at the time I thought was totally reasonable, it's just the market ended up shifting quickly. Behind, uh, later was so they got basically the the trade that they did with Brooklyn in a, a little bit before the before the July first before we got to kind of see where everything was going was they they gave up Torian Prince and got crabs. You know, bigger, far bigger money deal. Seventeen and Brooklyn's 2020 lottery protected first, and so you know, getting a first round pick to take on Allen Crabbe's contract. If you want to then think about it as the other first was for Prince, you could think about yeah, it that way. And
1: Seventeen is a good, a good, yeah, good pick and a mediocre pick for draft, that but type you know. of a transaction.
2: Sure, and so you know, that's not certainly. I mean, at the time we thought it was reasonable and that it was maybe proactive for Brooklyn to do it. Then it ended up turning out, and it's hard to blame them for this necessarily. That some of the teams that waited with cap space ended up doing far. Are better you know Mem- the Iguadala trade is significantly better for Memphis to me than than this trade is because the Igu- like Iguodala they got a pick in addition to him he's I think he's a meaningfully well, better player yeah,
1: I, I, I'm not so sure about that I mean I, I agree that Iguadala is I mean if you want to say that the 17 was for Crab and the 2021st 20, was for Prince you know if you, if that's you the way I
2: think it, about then, it yes
1: it so number one you're gonna pay a premium for closer in time versus for the 2024 is that pick for the Iguadala trade
2: I believe so yeah. Yes.
1: yeah and yeah it is on low protection on it to be sure and it could be a big asset but you know the Warriors are a pretty good organization uh might be you know if you want to just say hey it's going to be around the middle of the first round to go out five years there and yeah Iguodala can play and Crab can play a little bit but you know he's not gonna be as in demand as Iguodala so we'll see what Memphis can flip him for but I don't know that that's so unequal there because of just the five-year delay even if it is a pick with maybe a little more upside as well so uh I, I-, I humble push back on that a little bit.
2: And then the the Harkos deal I like better for, for the Clippers as well. You know, oh, sure, yeah. Because he's a cheaper, a cheaper contract, so that's less of a sacrifice. And then another move that Atlanta made that I didn't love was, was the Jabari Parker. It's not a terrible number, but giving him a player option on the second year, player options are extremely unhelpful to teams because especially when it's at, you know, not at a high contract value for the first year, because then, so if he opts out, it's because he thinks he's going to get more money and then it might mean that non-Bird rights are insufficient. The Hawks will have more cap space than they know what to do with and that ties in with the last big picture thing I wanted to talk about before we got into grades which was the Hawks using their cap space in the way that they did in terms of mostly you know getting some picks through the Allen Crab trade and, and everything but they didn't really build a lot of future value in terms of players uh, maybe they felt that this this market was not sufficient where they you know couldn't sign guys to 3 and 4 year deals or they don't know where they need to go so maybe that was the case but you know like when when we wonder a couple of years from now the Hawks had so much cap space to work with and And let's say in 2022, we're looking back and saying, what did they get from this, from the cap space? I think that we will be underwhelmed.
1: So I'm going to go with a D minus. Wow,
2: you went harsher than I did.
1: Yeah, which I, as I really went through it, I didn't think I would be this low on what they did, especially considering I thought that the the crab trade was pretty decent business. I like getting off of Prince if you're not a believer in him, and he hasn't shown a ton defensively so far. But if you're not a believer in him and you're not going to extend him, you know, moving him for future assets, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, using their cap space the way they did, I think that, that was fine. Uh, but there's three ways you can look at an offseason. I know we're going to take a long time as guy's they did a lot of stuff uh you can say number one you can evaluate this in terms of the asset play right and i think we we felt like all right they did about right with the crab trade and they did pretty poorly with the hunter trade uh especially considering that you know you and i both believe i mean i think he's special in terms of the fit potentially but i don't know if he's even special in that role and he's definitely not special in the larger is he a superstar sense of the word also i think they did very poorly getting ready for this season which it's they're gonna have a lot of caps Space. this is the year you know john collins trey young these guys gonna take big steps forward they're kind of a hot team right now you know people are even talking about them as a possible destination wind horse has been all over that they've got big holes center does not look good right now alex len is the starter damian jones and bruno fernando unlikely to be quality rotation players jabari parker i don't think he really helps them that much this year you know he hasn't proven to be a winning player they really need to get better defensively it's not going to help them in that respect and then the the big hole at at point guard again with evan Turner, you know, and that and that's another asset play loss as well. There with Bazemore to me being a better player the Turner, they're making very similar money. And then the long term vision as well. I don't really see it right now. Where okay, you got Trey Young. I mean, just and yeah, DeAndre Hunter could probably fit in at either small forward or power forward and defend his man well. But he's not really a playmaker defensively. I don't know if he's going to be a difference maker for a team that needs a lot of help. You know, are, are you going to go with John Collins at center, and now you're going to need a lot more switchability and defense on the wing that's not really it in here you know maybe cam reddish could become that you know i didn't think that was a bad pick necessarily uh but you know he he still kind of profiles a little bit more of an offensive player uh given his pedigree he's got the tools defensively um but a long way to go and and really at center as well you know alex len there was an article of him talking about how he thinks he could be an east all-star this year uh and he did shoot the ball from three better but you know i don't think he's a quality finisher i don't think he's a quality defender so they've got some holes on this roster when they had enough to me to where they could have done uh you know they let Dwayne Dedman go and that's a lot of money you got from the Kings but I thought Dedman was a really important player for them with some two-way ability at center that wasn't a crazy contract the Kings gave him especially considering that you used up half of what you would have given Dedman uh to give Jabari Parker what's essentially two guaranteed years and I to me you're getting nothing out of Parker this year that's going to help you win most likely uh you know he's a terrible fit with Trey Young in my opinion where you're trying to play spread pick and roll so I, I think they just failed in all three of those areas that's why I went with the D they did a couple of things like Jones for Spellman even like okay they're sick of Spellman being out of shape whatever but Damian Jones just can't play uh you know I know Schlenk was there when they drafted him maybe that's the reason they thought that they could get something out of him uh you know maybe you're trying to send a message to the rest of the group whatever uh but yeah I, I mean I'm really just not a fan of that move either you know I think they'd be better off with just having a roster spot than Damian Jones at this point so uh yeah really didn't like much of what they did and particularly the hunter trade I mean it, if you had to bet me right now who's going to be better Nikhil Alexander Walker who they gave up at 17 or Hunter I would say Hunter and I think there's also kind of a feeling here of like okay we've got all these young guys we've got our group here and I completely disagree with that you know I think that they felt part of why maybe they paid that premium to move up and gave up so many picks was like well we've got all these young guys already we've got all these we don't have the the roster spots for all these guys like but no I think you still always need uh more bites at the apple there so I I know that was like people will be disappointed that I went this low uh but I really just didn't like what they ended up with here
2: Uh, a couple more points I want to bring up I so I gave them a D plus and, and was a little bit surprised that I went that negative and, and there are reasons as you said to, to go a little bit lower than that in terms of like not liking individual moves but two things. Another big bet that Travis Schleich made is so right now, I mean there are gonna be things that take a chunk out of this like their draft picks and all that, but they're looking at about like you know 75 to 80 million in cap space for next year. What does that get? Because next year's free agent class is terrible and has gotten worse over this summer because guys like Draymond Green are now not available. They signed extensions and I don't think Anthony Davis is necessarily going to be looking at looking at the Hawks necessarily. So you have that as another big point. And then the other one, you you kind of got into this with the Jabari Parker or Dwayne Dedmon thing, but I think it bears repeating. When a team is in an evaluation phase, especially with players like John Collins, where we're not exactly sure what their best position and role is, the best thing a front office could do is get different options that credibly fill potential complementary spots and see what works. So that means have a stretch four that you can play with John Collins or a switchy four that you can play with John Collins and then have a defensive five, kind of like they did with Deadman. Ideally, if that guy could shoot threes, even better. And they didn't really do either of those things. They didn't get a stretch four. They didn't really get a defensive five that that moves the needle very much. And so I agree with you that not only does that hurt them in the present, but it also hurts their ability to figure out what the heck John Collins is. And now they're going to have to scramble blind a little bit when they make those decisions because that's presumably coming in 2020. And also that it's it's just harder. It's And, and they had the means to do so, and there were players on the market. They, you know, they could have overpaid on one your deals. They could have given multiple years when other teams weren't offering multiple years. Those sorts of those sorts of pathways were open to the Hawks that were not open to other teams. And I think that's you know it's opportunity and maximization and all of that. And I, I don't think the Hawks did a particularly good job there. And as you said, you know, like this is a there. There are lots of reasons to be optimistic about the Hawks. I'm intrigued. I, I like Lloyd Pierce. I like a lot of things they did. But this is not like just a time issue this is these are not certain stars that are that just that just need time to blossom they don't they don't have those type of guys yet so that means you keep trying until you get you know that was that was the part of the process that hinky got so right was you just keep adding because you never know who's going to work and once you do then you can then you can you trade some maneuver some of your things then
1: what did you end up with for a grade overall d plus okay well, regardless of what you think of the Hawks' long-term strategy, we know that they are going to be a really exciting watch this year, and if you want to go to a Hawks game or any NBA game or any other type of event that requires tickets, for that matter, from sports, live music, to comedy, use SeatGeek, the inaugural sponsor of the Dunked On podcast they've now, over the years, amassed over 50,000 five-star reviews. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, and I like SeatGeek because it saves me time and it saves me money. I use it regularly. It, my wife and I will always go to a Bucks game every year when we're back in Chicago for Thanksgiving because the bulls haven't been any good recently. And I'll, I'll use SeatGeek if we get a great deal every single time I do it. And I do it really quickly. It saves you money because it aggregates ticket selling sites together. And then it displays them in an interactive seat map with green dots, meaning good deals, red dots being overpriced. It rates each deal on a scale of one to 10. Their algorithm is trustworthy. Danny worked in the ticket industry for a while. He is a believer in their technology. And And so now you can just pick that big green dot and know that you got the best deal and not have to spend a ton of time doing it. If you haven't tried SeatGeek yet for some strange reason, considering we are now coming up on four year that they have sponsored this podcast, if you are a first time user, that cap space code will get you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So download the SeatGeek app today. Or you can work on desktop as well, SeatGeek.com And use that Capspace promo code for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code Capspace for $10 off your first purchase. Don't forget that Capspace code. Let them know that you came from us. Let's turn now to the Boston Celtics who lost Al Horford. They lost Kyrie Irving they brought in Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor and then made a bunch of moves in the draft uh, as well uh, which we can talk about but let's just start off looking at it from this perspective Danny of Ennis Cantor and Kemba Walker coming in Kyrie Irving and Al Horford going out they also lost Marcus Morris Terry Rozier Aaron Baines Gershany obviously got waived uh they are worse this year at least from a talent perspective would you agree with that
2: oh absolutely I mean maybe some of that talent will be happier and maybe some of the fit stuff can be different but Something I was talking about with, I think it was with Dan Feldman when we did Real Jam Radio shortly, you know, like kind of when we were processing all this stuff was a challenge for Boston now is that one of the matchups you want to attack most is a 1-5 pick and roll. And that's a problem. You know, it's a problem when the, the easiest way to, the best way to attack a defense is something that every team, most teams run all the time and every team runs at least a little bit. And, you know, Ennis Canner, while he did better in Portland than he has done anywhere else, defending in space, is not a strength for him. I don't think that Steven's system can kind of cure what ails him the way that Terry Stott's system did. And Kemba's a wonderful player. I mean, I, I stumped for him to get third-team All-NBA, and he did, and I was happy about that. And, and he's a talented player, but one of the challenges that I've been dealing with with figuring out this Boston team is, you know, I, I don't think the Kemba-Kyrie thing, other than, you know, Kyrie's insane ability to get a bucket against anybody in a key playoff moment, you know, like, I don't think that margin, especially if, depending on how the health balance goes, is that huge. But when you well, go, at least this year. Kemba at least is this year. two
1: years older. Yes. Uh, yeah. But not as much of an injury history as Kyrie.
2: Yes. So, you know, you, you have that in play, but Kemba's a little bit older, and without really, not only having, a, having an option at center right now, but unless Robert Williams takes a really big step up, it doesn't really seem like... I, I like Daniel Tice, but I don't think he's a starting center option, and so I, I spent part of this just wondering kind of where Boston wants to go with this, and the Memphis pick might end up being the key here. They uh, eventually They might end up using that to get a player who makes more sense with whoever they see as their core of the still there Celtics guys. So yeah, I I think they're I think they're worse, and I wasn't a huge fan of their draft. You know, like I like we, we talked about Grant Williams on the summer league thing. I think there's a chance that he succeeds and that would be, and I really liked watching him play, but I've heard m- mostly kind of uninspired stuff about Romeo Lankford and Seku, who we both really liked, was on the board. Not the first time Boston has turned down a talented young forward from Europe in in exchange for a more stable player, uh, and I I, th- I don't think this is going to work out as poorly as Olenek over Giannis, of course, because it would be hard to, but, you know, you have that, and then I like Carson Edwards. I think he, he could be nice, so, you know, it's, it's, it was kind of an uninspiring offseason, but the place that I want to turn to talk to you about this is
1: well, so uninspiring really i mean they got one of the best like probably four or five free agents on the market right they added an all nba player. i mean yeah
2: but they lost you, they lost one well, and, okay. but they but lost they, but and they lost two but they were
1: always here's the thing this is how i think you really have to look at it though is they were always going to lose carry i mean there's been sure. reporting that back in, as early as december he was planning his exit to the net uh so i i mean i, I don't think you can i mean same thing with toronto as we'll get to them I and mean, you yeah. can't lower their grade because a guy decided and especially toronto i mean they did everything that they possibly. We could uh, to get Kawhi to stay.
2: Well, but so but, this gets into the thing I want to talk about. I, I did I I graded them a little bit lower, but not because of Kyrie, because I don't give them too much way for that for Al Horford. Because well,
1: okay, so so basically, do you agree with me that it like the decision kind of was either bring back Horford or sign Kemba? Like it was one of those two things. Like that that was kind of their options, assuming like because if they had said if they had signed Horford, they would have really had, they would have had no way to get Kemba right
2: because because they needed to use cap space. It, it, they, it, yeah. I mean. It it probably would have required brooklyn playing ball which would have been difficult and unlikely but maybe possible considering they did with the warriors yeah
1: i mean but that's this is to uh you're, you're creating a a t- helping a team out that you are actively competing against and that yes Tyrese oh it's, it's so, very it, different yeah.
2: yeah i mean they yeah. would have had to send an asset back presumably to, to make that happen but yeah yeah that's a fair point i mean i was just i, I think about the contract that horford signed it seemed totally reasonable to me and because of the absence of horford you know re- functionally replacing him with ennis canter it may makes Boston so much weaker to me in the immediate you know like they're gonna miss him and and so it just makes them a fundamentally different so that's
1: that's interesting you think that they are worse this year without no 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 and with Kemba as no no I think they
2: need they need that offensive identity I think that's an important part but it's kind of like if you do one without the other you're getting the benefit you're you're, the benefit you're getting is more marginal, and that's the way it happens you know like you can't get everything you ever wanted most most teams can't
1: and I think their evaluation was that Al Horford is you know going to be in his mid 30s over the life of this contract and that they have uh, you know someone like Kemba would probably have more trade value as well uh, so I'm uh, you know I, I think that was the right decision to go with Kemba instead of Horford so so I mean if that's that would put you above a, a C for for making that decision as you know you never know Horford maybe you just wanted to leave but it sounded like he was kind of giving them a chance to come with a big offer and they uh, didn't do that and then he ended up looking elsewhere
2: so another thing we haven't discussed is they ended up trading the 24th pick and Aaron Baines who they basically treated as dead salary in that deal for milwaukee's 2021st now we both expect that milwaukee is going to be very good this upcoming season though there is no guarantee and and teams can look really good and then an injury or something else moves makes their draft pick significantly better
1: i I mean i think a significant motivator there was just they had so many draft picks this year it was just more roster spot motivated perhaps
2: sure and so as an asset play it's okay i i think they will miss baines this year just another piece of their defensive backstop that isn't there anymore
1: well and they also yeah I, I agree with you there i think they also had to dump him just to get to get the numbers to
2: right as well yeah
1: for for walker um yeah yeah there and, may, and i think there may, i haven't stay healthy yeah you know, I, I didn't mean, I think that was a problem like I, I think they will miss him but you know it's, i'm not i'm not dying over that
2: one no no i'm not dying over it either but i, I do think that it could be you know and, and maybe there would have been another way to do it with like trading gabuseli instead of stretching him i i, I didn't run him because it was the timeline was so tight and the bane's trade actually happened before everything to see like could they have done it without him again it was it was just something that it wasn't it certainly wasn't bad but i it just made me feel a little bit weird just because i'm wondering where they're going and also they're, they're putting a lot on on probably robert williams to be a part of the rotation maybe it's going to be just tyson tyson cancer we'll see how that works out um but yeah so like i i gave them i i think you're going to go higher than this i gave them a c minus and i understand why they did what they did even though i'm a little bit more ambivalent on their draft and that could be another big differentiator. that's something i should mention with the hawks it's like that that's another reason their their offseason could look very different when we regrade a year from now is if those draft picks look good same thing with the Celtics but I'm a little bit I don't I don't love those guys from what I've seen so far and I, I like the I think the Kemba Horford thing was was a totally reasonable decision It's likely the decision that I would have made should they have to have made it but you know it's uh, that that's just kind of when it when overall it's a little bit negative for me C minus
1: yeah you know we're in total disagreement I gave him a B plus um and I thought you know getting Kemba Walker was good there's a lot of teams that were trying to give him that coverage and i think the biggest thing that they can point to here is yeah i share your concerns about defense they're really you know with what they had available the room exception you know they kind of had to trade banes for cancer i think you know you could argue maybe you would have rather had banes but just due to the nature of the way the cap works they just couldn't do that they had to open up the space to sign walker that meant moving banes and yeah you get the room exception when you do that but you know that's why they had to make that trade you know it's not really of or that swap well, i should here's say. here's yeah,
2: a question Baines i have for, for you yeah. theoretically and we don't know if you- who would have taken this if they had gotten Kavon Looney for the room exception instead of Ennis Kanter how would you feel about the season
1: yeah I would I would certainly have felt better I think but but ultimately I don't think it matters that much because like you said they have enough assets where I think they can. if they can go ahead and get a solid defensive center you know a, a decent two-way center, you know a, a Derek Favors type of player you know even even someone like that I think you can make the argument that they're right back in contention in the east especially with the Bucks and Sixers maybe looking a little bit weaker and obviously the Raptors now with no Kawhi. So I, I think why I thought gave them a B plus is I think they're still in position here. And that type of player is readily available for the type of assets that they have. Uh, I, I think that they managed to not drop off too far despite losing to all NBA caliber of players in Horfer and Kyrie to get younger, hopefully improve their chemistry and still be a, you know a top three team in the East, top four team in the East probably. And with the potential to even maybe win the conference in the future if some of these young guys develop and they can uh, upgrade at the center position and get a little bit better defensively so i think that was important like not taking a major step back here i think it is a a big accomplishment so that's why i still have them with a b plus and you know again i think they made the right move swapping kemba for horford you know if if that's the decision that was made so that's that's the thing behind it and i think you know that's to me is much more key than the draft picks i think they did okay there you know langford i mean he was a talent he he, who knows how much this thumb in injury caused problems for him we didn't see him of course in summer league grant williams at that at number uh what did he end up he got drafted at 22 they did that move where they kind of took advantage of the sixers wanting the to pick up some assets edwards i think provides an element they haven't had of just a knockdown shooter you know i was impressed by him it's League. vincent poiret, poiret sorry you'd think my pronunciation would be better since i've been in uh new france uh but uh i think you know he can probably give him some decent backup center minutes uh as an offensive rebounder and pick and roll finisher so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know maybe we're rating the draft and some of those trades around it a lot differently, but I think they got the, the big stuff right here, and they're still right around where they should be. I mean, if you just said before the season, or before the offseason, Kyrie and Horford are going to leave and took that as a given, then I think the way they recovered was outstanding.
2: Yeah, if you took both of those as a given, I guess that—and I, I guess the framing that you're using in terms of Kemba versus Horford is interesting, because that hadn't been the way that I thought about it. It's a reasonable framing. Like, I'm not saying it's, you know, it's any, it's anything like that. It's just— not not the way I had thought about it. That is there. One other thing I want to mention, uh, because it's just just to file it away, for all of these when we do the regrade, an important decision that just has not been made yet, so it is not factored into our grades, is whatever they do with an extension with Jalen Brown. So that could be an extension signed, it could be not signing an extension, but that is an important part of a lot of these, and and that one in particular could loom large in this when we think about it now.
1: All right, so to to recap, you had a C minus and I had a B plus, All right? uh, That is a a bigger difference than we often would have. Have.
2: I don't think uh, we're gonna have a big one here.
1: Yeah, so the Brooklyn Nets, we know they added KD, We know they added Kyrie Irving, they added DeAndre Jordan, Torian and Prince garrett temple outstanding value for the room exception there wilson chandler at the minimum that's pretty solid david nawaba at the minimum uh they managed to get some future assets as well for the number 27 pick uh which i think they would rather have that future asset so they can kind of make more trades to bring in veterans if they need to with this team uh and they also were able to pick up assets an asset for d'angelo russell that top 20 protected warriors pick uh they did have to give up that first or two first actually with alan crapp but they got back prince who made little enough money that they could still do what they needed to with the maxes and with deandre jordan uh and prince might be someone who could really blossom there you know we'll see if they extend karis lavert or not uh, going forward uh but yeah i mean this uh, was really an outstanding offseason the only reason i didn't go with an a plus was i didn't care for the deandre contract but it was still that didn't even really hurt them that much because of the cap machinations that they had with unlikely bonuses they were able to give jordan a four-year 40 million Million dollar contract and still basically give Kyrie and KD the max or close enough to it that they didn't care so uh I, I really like that and you know you can argue that DJ would have uh it was kind of the price of admission for KD and Kyrie so uh just a, went with a straight A here it seems pretty straightforward don't have much else to say other
2: than- yeah and for those who if you if you didn't follow the machinations of how Sean Marks was able to make that happen Albert Namad actually had it ahead of time you know it's a, a, he, one of the theories that he laid out you could check it out there I I'm sure somebody. If nobody has, I'll probably do a breakdown of that at the Athletic at some point. I just haven't done it yet because I've been taking some time off. But absolutely fascinating and straight A. You know, game-changing summer for them without having to sacrifice a ton of future assets. You know, they they gave up they gave up a future first in the in the crab deal, but that I that that looks like a very good piece of piece of business. It's going to be fascinating to see how Tori and Prince fares this year, and then how that matters in terms of of when KD gets back. You know, like because that could, if he can end up being a a starter even for them that would be huge if he's a rotation player then it's less huge but still important and he's going to be on the last year in a reasonable contract but Brooklyn will be now with all the star power that they have especially next year they're also going to turn one of these benefits which is their minimum contracts become significantly more valuable so yes they don't have a ton of spending power but they will be able to get more for what they have because they're so good and that can be huge for adding depth which is I think they did a nice job of this year I'm a little bit worried about the DeAndre Jordan Jared Allen dynamic still think Jared Allen is the better player I think he's the better fit for where they are going but De- DeAndre has so much equity with the star players which means he has equity with the team but I also don't think especially in this first year that that's going to swing as much because if Kevin Durant misses all or functionally all of the season then they're in a very different place but and I, and I wish they hadn't lost Jared Dudley, Shabazz Napier, and Travion Graham but those are the cost of admission obviously that's totally fine.
1: Yeah well and Dudley they could have brought back it sounded like he just wanted to go play in LA instead. Yeah and it's uh, and, you know, and it's a I'm better sure role they for offered him. i same contract uh, at the minimum. Yeah, I would assume that they. The Charlotte Hornets. Oh baby, uh, I'm gonna go with a D minus
2: here. Oh, uh, you're so generous. <laughs>
1: So uh, let's talk about losing Kemba first. What did you think of that, uh, and the the way that those negotiations went down?
2: Uh, so I mean, we we talked about this a little bit in the in the off season, in the off grade, but it's also gotten some further reporting that I, I believe it was was Shams that the uh, the Hornets never even got all the way to one hundred and sixty million, which is over five years, which is truly incredible. When it, when he ended up making All NBA and you know being such a huge part of their, and they chose to keep him and and everything else. So it's like, yeah, how? and it seemed like he really did want to stay there. Well, which, I mean, uh, remember the stuff he said know, with Jared but... Weiss? Like, I mean, when when yeah. when he talked in in Tokyo with Jared Weiss about you know, like Charlotte is my first priority. I was dreading it because it sounded like Charlotte was in the driver's seat, even though they didn't like "quote unquote" deserve it because they because he just wanted to be there. And then you can, it's very easy to sabotage that equity when you when you lowball a guy. And so, I you know, for for selfish reasons, I'm happy they did because that allowed Kemba Walker to go to the Celtics in a a much better situation for this stage in his career but from their perspective that's it's it's you know for me that is more of a hit on their offseason grade and their theoretical 2019 trade deadline grade but it is still not great and then but then to me what compounds that is okay Kemba Walker's gonna leave that well, means
1: let's talk about Walker a little sure. bit more here though sure and an interesting question for me is well one of the things that we were saying about why he did to trade it was well you're gonna have to sign him to a bad contract that isn't going to get you. now you know who knows what the number would have been it seems like pretty clearly just the normal max five for 190 would have gotten it done there uh and yeah they only offered him the five for 160 but the question of whether you would have paid enough to re-sign him at this point in time you know maybe early on in that he's a trade asset would they have traded him who knows but i think uh, if you give him the five years or maybe you know that you could offer him a little bit more over four years too although that 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 doesn't really do much good you know, that, that probably wouldn't have gotten to stay just the eight percent so you know if you go for the five for one ninety, i mean yeah we we know it was a huge error not to trade him these last two trade deadlines last offseason etc but that's not part of this grade. you know you are what you are coming into this so would you have offered him enough to make him stay with the thought that he either could be tradable or just you know you're closer to 35 wins or whatever uh or would you uh have let him go i i think i probably would have made the offer although then you know they, they also would have had to cut money in terms of a, like luxury tax points had to quote unquote uh so that's a concern there as well If they had brought him back, so what do you think there? Would you have paid enough to bring him back if you were the Hornets, or would you simply was letting him go? Just that transaction in a vacuum, the right play after they already blew it and didn't trade
2: him early. If it was at or below his regular max, obviously not the super max. I think I would have done it. I really like Kemba as a player, and even though the other negative that resigning him brings is that it would have delayed the rebuild even more because they wouldn't have been good enough to you know like win a playoff series, but they also wouldn't. have been bad enough to to rebuild the base, so it would have pushed it back. Probably, I would say another two to three years, depending on how long they kept Kemba on that contract. But you know, they're they're at least a more interesting team and everything else. So I think if it was, I think the max probably would have been around my line. I would have liked to get it a little bit below that, but you know, one sixty is significantly below that. Obviously,
1: so yeah, I mean, it's real tough. Forty three million in his age thirty three season. I mean, that's you know, yeah. that's not quite Westbrook Paul territory, but it's pretty close. Well, and, to those, and but uh... I, but
2: I, it'll be interesting to see how. Kemba ages because you know his offensive capability yeah, has, should it should be okay. Like I mean, these defenses isn't a yeah. strength for him already, so uh, you know they don't get worse. And I think people appreciate people underappreciate how aging affects not great defensive players. You know, like there's this idea of like oh they're not going to get worse, but they will. They absolutely will. But yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. But then for me, the reason the grade is really low. Well, is- uh,
1: one last thing on that. I mean, I think to me, if they brought him back with the idea that they could trade him and maybe get, even though it would have been a really bad contract at the end you know maybe it would have had positive trade value in the in the beginning Blake Griffin style though Griffin has held on to more of his value than might be expected so far uh or even Russell Westbrook style uh to make the trade early on in the contract that's the only circumstance I would have brought him back on if you weren't going to do that and you're just playing keeping him around then yeah I probably would have let him go so that, that's just my, my opinion on that but yeah uh you, you're going to talk about their point guard replacement now I would assume
2: well yes I would and so what they decided to do when Kevin Walker left they did have the unusual opportunity, facilitated by the way Boston just playing ball because it didn't hurt them at all, and it, they're doing right by Terry Rozier, to yeah. allow they, they got them... a second for it. Yeah, they got they got Brooklyn's twenty twenty second for it, and so that allowed Charlotte to sign Terry Rozier via sign-and-trade for three years, $57 million. That is a whole lot of Terry Rozier, and I, I'm not a huge fan of him. I mean, I've, that's been blatantly clear to those who dunked on listeners for a while, and that's a lot of money for him for a long time. Time, it affects their flexibility, and they still have some bad money on their They still have plenty of bad money on the books for 2020, and then it largely lifts by 2021. And there's also the potential of an opportunity cost for next season. Let's say you know if I believe Terry Rozier is not the answer, and they turn down kind of Phoenix Suns-esque turn down a point guard in the 2020 draft because they have Terry Rozier, that could end up compounding this issue even more.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely a good concern. I mean, at least they only went three years on Rozier, three years, 58, and it's not a great. Con- contract rozier i think you know was massively overrated by an okay regular season in 1718, and then a highly overrated playoff if even if you just look at the stats which was driven a lot by some hot shooting so yeah i don't think Rosier is going to be a quality starter you know i think if they're lucky he could kind of break into the like you know that be the number 25 point guard in the nba maybe he has a ceiling at getting up to like the 15th best point guard in the nba but that's that's what i see as the ceiling and, and you know part of the reason that he there is because he can defend and he can shoot and he's good next to another creator and they don't have any other creators like he's going to be so overstretched as the primary pick and roll option on this and so I, I think Rozier to me a lot of his value came from playing next to you know say a Devin Booker type of guy a James Harden type of guy uh, than being the primary point guard himself which is what Charlotte uh, needs with the loss uh, of Kemper Walker but yeah you know, I mean maybe may a contract in the you know if you wanted to value him more along the lines of like what Tyus Jones or Dalon Wright got maybe a little bit above that. Those guys were getting three-year deals at about $10 million a year, the mid-level exception. So maybe, you know, three years, $12 million a year would have been a more reasonable market for Rosier. Who knows what other offers he had available, I mean, something with Phoenix. Uh, and remember that Rosier was going to be unrestricted, so that, and he probably would have had other suitors. So they did have to pay, and, and Charlotte is not that sexy of a destination. Well, so, and and, and
2: remember that Charlotte didn't have the means to sign anybody else to the money they signed Terry Rozier yeah,
1: to. That's a great point, too, right? So uh, now— and I don't think it really hurts them that much. I mean, they're not going to be a cap space destination. You know, if they overpaid by four or 5 million a year, if he works out to be a solid option, that's fine. I just don't think he's necessarily going to a solid option, you know, but it's, it's not, especially because they didn't go the fourth year. Uh, and you know, they didn't have to give up too much uh, to get him. I mean, the alternative would have been, you try to sign more of a stopgap point guard with the MLE, you know, your Saturansky, your right, your, uh, your, uh, Tyus Jones I and mean, the point guard market certainly was an inflated one this year. Uh, Um, so and maybe that would have been better but uh, the other reason i'm kind of downgrading them is i didn't really care for their drafts of pj washington much i think that he's you know is kind of a hey you know not really a combo forward really more of a pure power forward not incredibly athletic a developing shooter but you know probably didn't see enough of that to really believe in it at the the nba level yet so uh, we didn't get to see him in summer league you know maybe he could work out but he's one of these guys you know i I criticized him as one of the least modern picks in the drafts where it's like okay if he works out to be what he's supposed to you know what is he really and, and as mentioned you know there's a lot of other guys on the board that we like but i mean even someone like a romeo langford you know just get someone who's got some kind of ability they also let jeremy lamb go for what i thought was a pretty reasonable contract i mean they're gonna suck regardless here um and at least it, you can say well you know it, they don't have to tank and be like all the way bad under the new lottery rules uh and then they didn't use the mle at all either you know i mean that's another thing
2: yeah well that, so yeah that's yeah. where i wanted to go with it so as yeah. i have it the Hornets are about 11 they're about 11 million probably after after they signed Cody Martin they're probably probably closer to 10 million under the tax So they could have used the entire mid-level without going into the tax and added a player who could actually help you. Could do that in a couple different ways. It could just be a capable guy or it could be maybe even an asset play. You try to to find an undervalued player on the market, give them a little bit more money, whether it's for a single year or some sort of team-friendly thing after that. And you try to turn that into, maybe it's a middling second round pick, but at least you get something for it and you get that player helping your team as well. And as you talked about with lottery reform, that's not as big of a deal. And they have plenty of holes that could have been filled by that and yeah they're they're pro and also one thing that i i didn't downgrade the hornets for was that they some teams in this situation would use the opportunity of pretty clearly being bad to trade some of their veterans under contract but i didn't downgrade the hornets for not doing that because i would i would argue that maybe other than marvin Williams and even he is a judgment call depending on your team situation all of their guys are negative value contracts you know like zeller's not and they're not necessarily terrible it's just that it's hard it's harder to move those like they weren't going to move Nick to him. The, Marvin would have been tough Cody Zeller MKG who picked up his option which means obviously he thought it was negative value because he picked it up and that's how it works for player options so and same with Marvin so i, I think that it would you know it would have been great if those guys were better values but if those guys were better values then it would be a different circle
1: yeah another thing you can say too is that they could have had about 55 million in space next year without Rosier now it's about 35 million and you know again there's not a great free agent market next year not a free agent destination but they could have done something with that space uh, presumably and now they've got terry Rozier there uh, instead and i mean there, another way to put this here for the d-minus is there wasn't a single thing they did th- that i liked. <laughs> that's not good uh and they have set up a team now that projects to not have a single player in the top 20 at his that's pretty rough uh so they're gonna suck what was your your grade i, I ended up with a D minus reiterate i ended up with an f-plus yeah I, and the only reason it's a d-minus was like yeah i didn't like a single thing that they did but I didn't think anything that they did just like killed them uh, let's go to the Bulls here uh, Kobe White number 7 overall pick in the draft Thaddeus Young 3 years a little over 40 million final year completely non-guaranteed Thomas Sadaransky, 3 years 30 million final year 5 million guaranteed they also picked up Luke Cornett and Daniel Gafford uh, the latter in the draft gives the number 38 overall pick they brought back Ryan Archidiakono uh, that deal was
2: a Diakono, Archidiakono was 3 years 9 million 30 year team option Ah, I had that
1: in my head, and I was going to double check, but glad you didn't. Said in check. Harrison uh, returned on a largely non guaranteed deal, uh, and that Satoransky deal was by a sign and trade, and they had to give up a couple of decent looking second uh, to do that. Where do you want to start with these guys?
2: Well, I think I'll start with I think I'll start with my grade, which is an A minus, and it came out of nowhere. I had I did not have high hopes for the for the Bulls off season, really at any juncture, and they did a really good job. Really, I it's it's unusual usual for a team, especially a team that I have issues with their front office, for me to generally like every move that they did. You know, not, I didn't love every single one. You know, I'm not the biggest Archie Diakono fan and, you know, Cornet's fine, but I like their draft. You know, Cody White, talented point guard, happy they happy they took somebody at the position because they needed another option there and, and his potential fit, fit things are intriguing. And, you know, especially considering who was on the board, I thought that was, they were fortunate that he fell to them and that they got him. And Daniel Gafford in the 30s, totally reasonable pick. I, I liked what I saw from him in summer league. His applied athleticism was better than I expected. Some nice second jump stuff and getting a potential developmental center in the second round. That's what the second round is for in some, to some extent. And then I, I really liked Thaddeus Young, three years, 41, but remember that last year is non-guaranteed and then the Sadoransky deal. So really what they sacrificed in those contracts was, well, one, it was a use of their 19 cap space, obviously, but they also sacrificed some spending power in 2020. But I don't think they were going to do better than, than Thaddeus Young and and Sadoransky yeah. in that I summer. I thought
1: those are two of the better uh, unrestricted free agent contracts on the market other than kind of max guys.
2: Yeah, they were they were both really strong and they both fit in very well with the team. Like, I mean, I think we're looking pretty clearly at a post-Chris Dunn Bulls, even though they still have Chris Dunn, which is actually yeah, a part it, of the reason I gave them an A- is they have these kind of, some unresolved threads that make me a little bit uneasy, but that could end up working out, you know, whether it's- Well,
1: in, well and I think they deserve credit. I mean, yeah, White fell to them, but... But, you know, they had done, they had made an investment to get him in the Butler trade and I think they deserve credit for noting that it wasn't working out and 100%. drafting someone over the top of him.
2: And that and that can be very hard for the same front office to do, especially in pretty quick succession even though Jimmy yeah. Butler well, has been... they got a lot
1: of job security. Even
2: though, yeah. that worried about it. Even though Jimmy Butler has been traded twice since then.
1: Um, yeah, that'll be a fascinating one to go back and look at years from now. Because um, they did obviously just basically give up on having playoff seasons the last couple of years by trading butler and they they subjected fans to two tanking seasons yeah they weren't going to win a championship but you know they would probably would have been a playoff if they well, kept
2: in this last and years. then the sixers ended up getting josh richardson and from yeah. when he when he left so but anyway let's but but let's let's talk about the bulls for right now and the other thing the other reason they got an a-minus instead of an a it would have been kind of a weak a so that's why i was also kind of shading that way yeah is because i still like i think of Otto porter his long game as being i think his best position is the four you know most guys who if they're a three or a four they're probably a four and I wish they had gotten some sort of option, even if it was like for a minimum contract or like something else, just at the three, because I could end up seeing that being a, a bigger issue at some point. Now, they did very well and not resolving the Chris Dunn thing is justifiable depending on what the offers were. But remember, he's he's they're basically about to make a decision on him because Dunn is extension eligible. So the best time to trade a guy like that is before, while well, they're still extension eligible, because then if another team likes them, they can agree to something. But maybe the offers just aren't there. So the not, not getting any like even flyer type of guys at the three and not resolving the chris dunn thing marginal decreases but this was a a fantastic offseason for the bulls and one that could really bear some fruit you know if they end up making or even getting in the race like in the fringes of the playoff race i think these additions will be a big part of
1: it yeah i I feel quite similar to you b plus i think their defense should be much improved this year with sataransky and with young in particular and yeah those are big contracts to give up for guys who aren't necessarily starters uh but you know both of those guys have started in the past and are capable starting, and I like the fit of Young next to either Carter or Markkanen, and then Cornette is another guy who, you know, he can block shots and shoot threes Heenfully slow, but for the price uh, it's not bad. Uh, You know, backup center could still be a weakness, point guard could still be a weakness, but neither of those is going to be like an open sore. They've got actually a fair amount of depth for the first time in this rebuilding post-Butler era.
2: Oh, one other quick thing I wanted to mention. Another thing I love about their offseason is the structure of their contracts, because after this season let's say they want to move Sada or they want to move Thaddeus Young, those guys having non-guaranteed in Young's case or slightly guaranteed or half-guaranteed in Sateretsky's case makes them far easier to move. So if it ends up being that they don't fit perfectly with the vision of where this team goes, I think they're positive value contracts where they can get an asset in return.
1: All right, before we move on to Cleveland, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk, getting a crash, people get hurt or killed, but here's some surprising statistics. This problem is even worse maybe than you might have realized. Nearly 29 people on average in the United States die every day in LKV, alcohol-impaired vehicle crash one person every 50 minutes. We're doing a little better. Drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third over the last three decades, but they still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. There's just no excuse, especially in today's day and age with apps to help you get home. You can plan a safe ride home before you start drinking, designate a sober driver, call a taxi, ride-sharing apps. And if you know one of your friends has been drinking, I've had to do this before in my life, it's the person is not happy about it. Sometimes, like people, your friends who have imbibed a little bit too much insist they can drive home. And no, I mean, if you care about this person, you need to just take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. Yeah, it's annoying. Either if you're the person who's had a little bit too much to drink, or if you're a friend of someone who has, like, oh, I'm gonna have to get my car in the morning. Well, at least you'd be alive to get your car in the morning. So we all know the consequences of driving drunk. But you're wrong if you think that it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, the calves drafted. Darius Garland, number five overall, after a disappointing fall in the lottery, also picked up Dylan Windler at twenty-six. They made a trade for Kevin Porter Jr. at number thirty, giving up a ton of cash. It was about five million bucks in cash to the Pistons. Recall the Pistons got that pick in the John Lewis, Tony Snell trade, and they had to give up a bunch of seconds, probably four in total. But none of them, other than maybe the Portland twenty twenty-three second, projects to fall in the top half of the second round. And you know that's kind. Of the inflection point for these picks are valuable or not, and then of course uh they brought in John Beeline, sixty-six-year-old coach, but extremely well-respected from Michigan. Uh, let's start with Beeline, Danny. What did you think of that hire?
2: It's definitely different. I mean, Beeline, sixty-six, but has a has a track record at Michigan, has done, and could end up being a good fit in terms in terms of the roster they ended up with because Beeline at Michigan and at some of his other stops, he was more comfortable playing ball handling guards together, and that. Time Ties in with to me what was the the most one of the most gutsy decisions that any front office made in the entire NBA this summer was you know, Colin Sexton is the best, highest regarded young player on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they took another player in Darius Garland who plays the same position and depending on how you see it, the same role. And that is, you know, like I had talked about the idea that like he was on the Yahoo draft show of like how is Sexton gonna react, and he reacted very well. I'm guessing they had prepped him for the possibility, unlike what happened with. Minnesota and, and Ricky Rubio all those years ago, but I, I I really so Beeline. I'm not sure, you know, and and when he's 60, 66, he's probably you know it's it's more of a short term thing. But and and I I think I'm just going to need time to see how he fits and dealing with personalities and the players are making more than the coach and all of that kind of stuff can be a big adjustment, but. I do think that he might be the right coach to shepherd them through this complicated stage where you have these two talented young players that largely have done the same they've had the ball in their hands most of their lives
1: yeah I'll second your thoughts there about the courage of taking the guy that they thought was it with Garland noting where they are in the rebuild not treating Colin Sexton as a sure thing I think he's got some potential to be sure based on what he did the last half of the season but I think Garland to me had the most star potential of anyone available at that slot and they did well to take him there Beeline i'd feel a little bit better about if he were not quite as old i mean we really have not seen nba coaches be that effective once they get into their 70s we'll see if greg povich maybe the greatest coach of all time can do that but 70 is probably a fair time to say that guys are, are going to be about done and then consider these unproven as well i mean kind of your hope is brad Stevens' style when you bring someone like that in that yeah this guy's young enough to really be a big part of our program for years and years and years and that, that even if Beeline does succeed which there's no guarantee of that you know the upside is kind of limited there rare that you'll talk about a coach in that manner but with beeline perhaps that's appropriate uh kevin porter is another guy with some upside statistically did not grade out particularly well uh and yeah they certainly have a lot of gunners on this team uh widler looks like a fine pick uh, in the mid-20s as a a guy who's got some shooting potential Uh, that's something that they needed on this team in the long term they still have nothing on the wing with this team but again they are very early on on in this rebuild, and they were extremely hamstrung by their salaries, and that's part of why they weren't able to do anything with that J.R. Smith grandfathered in non-guaranteed contract. But they were just so close to the tax already; it just didn't make financial sense. Uh, and I don't think there's a trade out there that would have been enough to have them paying the repeater tax to take on salary in a Smith trade. So I, I ended up with a B for them. I, I think they did well. Over,
2: I was even stronger. I ended up with an A minus, and they didn't have much flexibility. And I was fine with what they did. the The biggest criticism that I would have is, I think. They could have gone a little bit more bold with Smith because I think that some of their players like Tristan Thompson and Jordan Clarkson. Hey, they yeah, but you can have some vets, no problem with that. But they don't fit with the obviously terrible place that the Cavs are probably going to be this year, even with Kevin Love. And so I don't think you could get off of those guys just straight up. Like I don't think anybody was taking on Jordan Clarkson's thirteen point four million just with cap space. But maybe you can do a couple of those marginal deals where you trade a thirteen million dollar guy for a ten million dollar guy, and then they could have pieced their way back up under and maybe gotten an asset for JR instead of doing it. But again, that's, you know, it might be too cute by half. It would have been a risk, but you have that. And then the other kind of question for them, and this is more something that I didn't factor into my grades, but will will in the regrade and think about in the future is beyond the Tristan Thompson and Jordan Clarkson type of decisions, could they have done something with Kevin Love? Was this possible, you know, even though he had largely a lost season due to injury, it's possible that even so, this was the best time to move him. Because if that, if that contract looks more negative, you know, right. Right now you've had the plausibility of oh man he was hurt still a talented player you know but like oh man the town the, ta- the offensive juice is still there but if he if he isn't as good this year and basically yeah, yeah. Or, or if
1: it, he just misses another 40 games due to injury which is very yeah, possible
2: then it's entirely possible that even if the if the offers were uninspiring that it was still a mistake not to move him because love does not fit their timetable obviously and he makes a ton of money you know he makes enough where yeah cleveland kind of like charlotte like i don't think they're going to be a free agent destination but there is still value to having that flexibility because you could take on Alan Crabb, you can take on Mohawk Lizard, like there, there are always those types of trades available, you can get a little something for it and if Love's contract ends up being as negative as I feel it will be, then they might have missed the opportunity to strike So, but the thing that I really liked is they basically bought a first round pick, we had seen that, and this wasn't as blatant as the Rudy Gobert one, but I love that and I I, up, I, 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 move up for that and I move down the team that sells it basically anytime that happens.
1: Yeah, and also I think uh, Love, at least keeping him around, even if he kind of falls Falls apart he's always going to be good to help their young guards develop his pick and pop ability his floor spacing ability not a guy that you can just switch on a one five pick and roll as well and yeah they're going to be atrocious again defensively this year but you know that wasn't about it and you know maybe i should have gone a little bit higher uh it's more i think i like most if not everything that they did but you know we'll just see what the magnitude of that is obviously if garland looks like a player this will be an a next year
2: right and a team that makes so few moves each one of them becomes more important in terms of in terms of the the grading. So if Winler disappoints, if Porter disappoints, then it, it ships to it. us.
1: The Detroit Pistons, uh, I went with a B for them. Seiko Dumboya at number 15, a guy that we really liked a, a lot when you consider what some of the other point guard contracts were. Derek Rose, two years, 15 million, no player option or anything there, was pretty good. Tony Snell, they picked up a first rounder, which of course they later sold to basically take on about $14 million, but he's not dead salary. I think he actually can be in their rotation. They've struggled to get shooting and defense. Defense, uh, on the wing with this group and hopefully against a lot of teams especially there's not a lot of those power wing types in the eastern conference you know Snell could even play some three for them Markeef Morris at the BAE he did get a, a one plus one there but that was uh, I think still a, a pretty solid move You they can use a little bit more scoring and defense I think he could play next to Blake Griffin at, at times uh, or next to Andre Drummond and then uh, Christian Wood they picked up on waivers although he, his position may be threatened by Michael Beasley who they also picked up I actually didn't hate that Beasley signing just because I think they again used some more scoring uh, on their second unit Uh, they're going to have some injuries Tim Frazier at the minimum as a third point guard they needed a solid third point guard they didn't have it last year with Jose Calderon and Derek Rose of course uh, and Reggie Jackson are uh, certainly looking at at a possible injury absence and then uh, Davidas Servitas at number 37 I didn't really care a ton for what I saw from him in summer league he doesn't look like he's going to be coming over anytime soon so given all that I, I mean this is pretty straightforward I liked I think pretty much all of those moves I went uh, now nothing that was gonna be mind-bending but I wanted the B I think it was all pretty solid there
2: they got the big things right and that's the most important part I went with the B plus kind of on similar grounds Seku was one of my favorite picks in the entire draft because they got him and that was him falling to them but they took him and 14 of their teams did not so, so that's pretty good and Rose I, I, I do worry a little bit you know just I like having more shooting around Blake Griffin and Griffin did so well with the ball in his hands but Rose Rose is a talent and he can fit in. Yeah. Uh, this team I mean, needs- they just need
1: someone yeah. who can create some Absolutely. offense. Other than Blake Absolutely, Griffin on this. And team. at the price you they got I
2: mean? him, definitely a, a good signing. So, well, I, and I think I I liked
1: going that direction better than I would have retaining Ish Smith. And and Smith also recall basically is going to be a starter in Washington. That's part of why it was pretty similar money between Rose and Smith.
2: Yeah, and I th- I think that could work out well for them. And and having yeah. another now
1: Smith could be better than Rose. I mean that, that especially when you consider the injury absence. But I, I think Rose is the higher upside.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally fine with it and. and especially considering Smith got a pretty interesting offer from the Wizards. Then there's a possibility he just straight up would have taken that. And they didn't have a lot of the Pistons, unsurprisingly did not have a ton of flexibility trading, selling, basically selling the the first round pick leaves a bitter taste in my mouth, but I, I still like the Snell trade, especially because they also got off John were in that deal, which is part of why it was only about 14 million and added money and Snell could help them and could be a part of the part of the rotation. They needed wing depth in the worst way last year. And yeah, I mean, it is unfortunate in some ways for Detroit that the majority of the money they took on is in 20 when they depending on what happens with Andre Drummond might have very little flexibility again so you could get into all that sort of stuff and something else I thought that was amazing is so they so the Pistons acquired four second round picks for the Kevin Porter number 30 pick three of those four are already gone they used two of them to move up from 45 to 37 to get Servitas and then they used another one to draft Jordan tr- they traded to Philly to get Jordan Bone at 57 so that's kind of gives you an idea of that it was a sale is that they used two of them to move up in the second round by eight slots and they got the third to last pick in the draft with another one. So it was basically selling the number 30 pick, which was the primary asset they got back for Snell, even though we think that that was a solid value for them overall. But that's why it's a B plus yeah. and not like an A minus or an A.
1: Well, uh, that 5 million bucks is going to buy Tom Gore's a lot of delicious buddy's pizza in Detroit. So I had a B and you had a B plus, is yeah. that right?
2: well, only, oh, only, yeah. only if he has a different feeling about hot cheese than Feldman. <laughs> All
1: right, the Indiana Pacers, what did they do for themselves? Oh boy, this guess, is a, actually this might be one to just take one by one here. You want yeah. to do it that yeah, way? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah, let's the, start with Brogdon. Yeah,
2: and these are and these are some some big big moves. So, I mean, yeah, Malcolm is a good place to start. So, not only did they sign Malcolm Brogdon, so Brogdon ended up getting four years and 85 million dollars, but also in that deal, it was structured as a sign and trade. They traded a lottery protected 2021st and two seconds for him. So, 485 is a lot for Brogdon. I, I like Brogdon. Brogdon and I'm happy that he's playing whenever Oladipo gets back next to somebody who can really be the primary engine for the offense and Oladipo to me is better at that role than Malcolm Brogdon. I'm intrigued by what he can, you know, a defensive guard. I mean, Pacers have surprised me on defense pretty much each of the last three years. McMillan is another part of what he has done so well. And so I really like Brogdon and I I feel like they're probably, I don't think it's that huge of a deal, but if they were willing to give him this money, my instinct is that they probably could have just not giving up the assets in order to make it happen like you know you sometimes you see this where it goes one of two ways like either you give up the assets to make it a more reasonable deal if the player that is still acceptable to the player or you don't give up the assets you overpay and then you keep the assets but you know i don't know it's i think i think the
1: yeah and, and recall the reporting was that herb simon their owner was basically like hey we're we're partners here in the nba signing another teams restricted free agent you know that let's just try to work something out because that's kind of unseemly.
2: yeah and i i I guess he just now
1: did. i think I, my thought though is maybe i mean the seconds as well i mean that seemed ridiculous like the first should have been enough at, at a minimum
2: yeah i I, w- I would agree with that and also that drags out some future obligations and everything uh so how do you feel i mean how do you feel about the i mean they basically made a big bet on brogdon and oladipo as their not only their backcourt of the present but their backcourt of the future
1: yeah i think he's an outstanding fit with oladipo with his shooting ability size defensively they should have much more more versatility there Uh, brogdon has said that he wanted to play point guard uh, but you know oladipo i I mean i think either of those guys uh, neither has to be the nominal point guard i wanted to see the ball in oladipo's hands more but of course we'll see how victor oladipo actually comes back and if he's the same player after the uh torn quad tendon uh i mean i'd have to grade the brogdon deal as an overall negative though i think because they paid i think over market rate and they basically paid the restricted free agent premium and they had to give up the first plus the two seconds as well i mean it seems like they just they kind of got the worst of all worlds there as you alluded to so uh he is a good fit this is a team that has not historically done a ton with their cap space uh, although i thought they did reasonably well this year so maybe you can say overpaying is not the end of the world also there are the health concerns for him uh, as well uh going back to that foot injury in college uh aside from that then they also rebuilt their wing rotation with uh tj warren and jeremy lamb lamb was three years and 31.5 million all guaranteed a flat 10.5 million per season warren has three years left at around 11 million per uh that was via trade they also got the number 32 overall pick in that deal they had to send some cash back to phoenix then they moved that uh, so actually we can get to that later uh tj warren and jeremy lamb now coming in on the wing what do you think there?
2: I'm totally on board with the Lamb contract. Reasonable number. I like him as a talent. I think that you know he he can be a part of it. I like Lamb significantly better as a two than as a three, just because he's he's very thin and you know he doesn't really have positional size at three. But you can't always yeah, you can't always a get A lot of
1: these, a lot of these like thin wings now. You know they don't have anyone now to guard the bigger wing. But again, you know maybe that doesn't matter as much now. In the-
2: Entirely possible with with uh, Kawhi except, Leonard, you know, Giannis. <laughs> but I mean, are they really in that mix though? Like, are they? are we are we worried about Uh, how they
1: maybe someday they would have been
2: yeah that's true but
1: and 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 i guess the other question is here's a good one of you know warren lamb and thaddeus young with the bulls all make about the same amount of money would you have rather had warren and lamb or would you have rather tried to retain young and only had one of those guys
2: i like i like thaddeus young better than tj warren
1: yeah and yeah he he is 31 and warren's a a lot younger but yeah
2: yeah I, i think that i think that you know giving them a defensive identity especially considering the way that their forward rotation ended up I think I would have liked that yeah so maybe Young and Lamb but and it's not like Young took an opportunity that was so much better you know this isn't Ish Smith choosing to be a starter in Washington we'll see how Chicago's forward rotation works out but uh, yeah I would have rather done that and Warren you know basically the Suns treating him as a negative a huge negative value contract giving up 32 to dump TJ Warren makes about 11 million a year I think that's you know it's it's a good piece piece of business for the Pacers other than the aforementioned issue that they then couldn't use that space on anything else but Warren's a capable player and getting the 32 pick which eventually became three miami second rounders because pat riley just trades those away like they're worthless which is hey, for for casey akpala we're gonna have to see how that works out but it, you know like the, the, what makes what may, and then we should also mention that they they drafted goga patase in in the first round uh who highly regarded didn't play in didn't play in summer league so we haven't really had the chance to evaluate him at least in person so other than the you know the, the negative value in the Brogdon deal, I got into an issue. And I, so for me, the Pacers offseason was the hardest for me to grade, at least in the East, maybe the entire league. I haven't finished my grades for the entire I, league yeah, to say.
1: I, I had the same problem.
2: And a big part of why is because I think the whole is meaningfully less than the sum of their parts because of this huge gap that they have at the forward spots. Yeah. But I also yeah, don't know how Warren, much that's going to matter.
1: TJ Warren, I think in particular, is just not a good fit with this group, especially having signed Lamb as well.
2: And then there's also, I mean, because a lot of these moves are long-term plays you know Malcolm Brogdon was not just signed for the 1920 season he'll he'll be on the team for you know presumably at least four years and the Pacers have you know plenty of guys that are developing so they can go through that so you you don't have to because I think this year could be worse than people expect for the Pacers just if especially if Oladipo misses extended time and it looks like that could be a possibility and uh Jay Michael talked about the idea that he's going to be load managed pretty aggressively as as a franchise cornerstone should be once once Oladipo returns turns so and he's such a linchpin offensively for what for what the Pacers want to do so you can imagine the ripple effects there so that that's a big challenge and then the other part that has made it so hard to evaluate is how Bataze and Sabonis and their whole big man rotation works out because now it looks like like the other part of all the moves they made is at least as of right now it looks like Sabonis is going to be the starting power forward something that I actively hate and think is a strange use of resources and they also didn't at least as of now have not traded Sabonis they also have not extended him yeah so, I,
1: I think that's something that they should have done I mean that are really looked into seriously. So you don't know what offers were out there but I think if there was like a decent first out there for Sabonis I would have moved him I think
2: yeah or a young player that could have been a part of the rotation at a different position sure. and you know if I, the people who know Bataze, like Sam Vecini had t- talked about it for a while like really like him and so it could be a situation where he can step into the backup center part of it and then you figure out something else at power forward heck they could have even kept Thaddeus Young and solve that part of it there and
1: and i also give them credit to danny for going with lamb or or warren maybe not both of them but rather than re-signing Bogdanovich, especially at the price he got the jazz yeah the four years 73 million
2: yeah i I give them credit for that as well so we both talked about how hard this was and i try not i try to focus more on the process and all that than the actual grade even though sometimes people don't feel the same way uh i ended up at a c minus and honestly feel like it could be dramatically different at the end of the year in either direction, just depending on how all this works out. But, you know, it was, to me it was slightly more negative than positive just on use of resources perspective, but it, it was super hard.
1: Yeah, I went with a C. I mean, that's, I think they could be right about the same quality of team that they were before. I mean, accepting, of course, Oladipo maybe not coming back as the same guy, but they've just kind of traded defense for offense. I do think that, you know, I would have tried to bring back Young, especially because it was only two guaranteed years. Uh, I think they had a feeling feeling that they just need to get better offensively especially after they struggled so badly against Boston but number one they didn't have Oladipo they are they also got Brogdon to upgrade there and they could have gotten either one of Lamb or Warren to try to replace Bogdanovich and then I think they you know and who knows maybe Thaddeus Young just wanted to leave but I don't think so and I think I would continue to start Thaddeus Young as well and I think so much of the offensive problems as well the spacing with Young could be alleviated by like actually having Miles Turner stand outside the three-point line you know uh, a, a lot more and utilize him more to his fullest as a shooter so uh i mean i think it's all going to end up as kind of a wash ultimately to me and and they do at least they did at least get some guys who are young and could be long-term pieces so i I think maybe i would even move it up to a c plus now that i think about it because if they're about the same as they were but they swap out a 30 and a 31 year old for guys who are in their mid-20s and you get some more sustainability you know maybe they deserve some credit for that and yeah they did lose the first to to get brogdon but they also we so were able to refill the coffers a little bit in terms of the seconds but with the akpala and warren transaction uh anything else there or should we keep going here
2: let's jump to the miami heat this was another challenging one for me and part of the reason why is just they didn't make that in numerically they didn't make that many moves but they were exceedingly high profile so the most important thing that they did it ended up becoming one trade but basically richardson and a, a, a 2020 josh richardson and a 2023 first to acquire jimmy butler by signage trade, which obviously hard capped them as well and led to some other moves. But to make that happen, they also traded Hassan Whiteside for Harkless and Leonard. And then they they didn't have a second round pick. They had a first. Well, and
1: they also had to stretch Ryan right because of the hard cap.
2: Right. To, to make it work. And so then in the draft, they had their own first. They chose Tyler Hero. And then they did not have a second. So instead, they traded three seconds to get number 32 and, and draft Stanford's Casey Okpala, who we, didn't, we didn't, haven't really gotten to see. So that's that's going to be a, a big question about how that works out. So I think where I wanted to start with this, I ended up giving them a C minus. I actually was toying with significantly lower grades. and a part of the reason why is because i don't see jimmy butler as that big of an upgrade on josh richardson and he makes a lot from an
1: asset perspective maybe not from a star perspective yeah driving offense perspective then yes
2: right Uh, but but i ended up moving up higher because butler can really make a huge difference in their identity they needed another another offensive creator which i think philadelphia is really going to miss and also it's so crazy how it ended up happening that I, i would have been lower on their series of transactions if they had ended up dumping Goran Dragic just because it would have put so much on Jimmy Butler's plate now that leads to issues in terms of 2020 who they're going to resign whether they're going to have the ability to kind of keep the parts of this team together that they want but I think having Dragic and Butler together makes them a lot more competitive in 1920 which is a big part of this idea so yeah I, I I think and getting off of Whiteside's last year for Harkless who I mean if they had just done if, it, if the only thing had been Whiteside for Harkless and Leonard, let's say theoretically that would been possible. I would have been even higher on it because I really like Mo Harkless and he would have been a great fit for the Heat. But that was kind of a necessary, you know, they had to get it off of additional salary to make the Butler trade work. And so that's how it all kind of cascaded together.
1: Well, the the Dragic's trade, I downgraded them for just screwing that up because there was a miscommunication there. And, you know, without knowing more, you have to assign 50% of that blame. He cited. And so the the Dragic's trade not working, then they were, I mean, they were always were going to have to stretch Anderson with this Butler thing, but then they also had had to give up that first rounder to get off of Harkless when I think Harkless could have helped them, and obviously the first rounder it could have helped them uh, as well. Um, so that that was difficult. Um, you know, I don't know if I don't think they could have kept Harkless, but it, it was financially again because of the Hark cap. And the reason why well, I well, didn't go he, lower well, there's is,
2: a question. Yeah. There is a thing there that theoretically, based on how you and I value trades, could they have given up a first to dump Myers Leonard instead and kept Harkless? Like, I mean, to me, ha- Myers Leonard makes the same basically the same money. Eleven point three million if you could get a first if you could get a first-round pick for taking on 11.3 million some teams definitely could have done that
1: yeah that's an interesting one i mean that uh maybe they felt like they wanted leonard i mean certainly the clippers preferred hard maybe that really was the price just at that point with uh you know everyone knowing the heat were desperate they had agreed to this their hard cap they just had to do something uh so i mean that just wasn't realistic but yeah obviously that that would have been preferable uh ultimately though i mean butler is on he's not They didn't even get a f- straight four-year deal on him he got a three plus one which is kind of ridiculous considering you know it's unclear whether butler had a full max offer out there anywhere else at least that could have been accepted immediately and the reason i didn't necessarily go lower i mean you're like oh what is getting butler do for you like you know you're just pretty much right around that same level again maybe they'll be i mean I, I you know they probably got better for next year uh and they'll have that one engine that they can go to if he's not injured of course and if he doesn't decline for being 30 years old uh you know butler i think is more of a, a playoff player maybe than a regular season player at this point in time they're going to need him already Regular season, but maybe the thought is that this can just be the start and Miami is still a destination and that they might be able to pick someone else up to join Butler and that they needed to get that first star. Now, is Butler still going to be that first star? You know, I am skeptical of that. They don't have many assets to make a trade. Their future cap situation, they might be able to have space in 2021 offseason, but again, you know, is Butler going to be a good enough player to be the draw as the second star to get the first star in that situation? I'm skeptical of that, but I would have got a little. Bit lower. Maybe there's something else to come here now that they got the quote unquote first star in Butler. So I went ultimately with the C minus. Having to stretch Ryan Anderson it was pretty rough uh, as well, which I, I didn't care. And then Tyler Harrow at 13, I'd grade that pick about a C right now on its own. Uh, you know, I thought he had an okay summer league. He got shots up off the pick and roll, but, you know, Dumboya uh, is someone I would have liked better. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is someone I probably would have liked better uh, in that range. And then Akpala, athletic guy, the type of guy they've had success with you know i do like how they prioritize uh, athletic guys in the wing and make them into players but you know three future seconds is a fair amount to give up there
2: yeah i'm a little lower on on hero than you but we ended up at the same grade so we don't need to go with that
1: bucks i also went with a c minus four uh should we talk about uh, what they ended up doing here first i mean i guess uh, let's look at the the brogdon thing from their perspective because that really is to me the the big pivot point uh, of this offseason for them would you have rather had malcolm brogdon um on the contract that he got four years 85 million or would you rather have and there really was would have been almost no opportunity cost other than luxury tax money in terms of keeping him because they probably could have made enough space or pretty darn close to it would have been about a seven hundred thousand dollars difference in reducing brooke lopez and george hill's contracts which you know i think they probably could have figured out a way to do that especially if if they said to those guys hey this is the difference between bringing back brogdon or not i mean they could have uh, even
2: used unlikely bonuses or something like that there, there would
1: have yeah yeah so, certainly so uh, so Brogdon, uh, would you just, uh, as for this team going forward, where they are right now, would you rather have him that four-year $85 million deal or would you rather have the first and the two seconds uh, from Indiana, that first being lottery protected?
2: I absolutely would rather have Brogdon in their situation and I will go a step further. I think that there is a distinct chance that this decision haunts the franchise. Not because Brogdon is amazing, but because the reason that he's not staying is because of the luxury tax. And they're materially worse. Brogdon both. Made-
1: well, well do, I, I don't think that we know that I suspect that uh but there were were times when
2: Brogdon was one of their best players in the in the Eastern Conference Finals last year
1: yeah might have been their second best might have been their
2: second best player and I mean and and remember like it's the luxury tax it and they're they were the best team in the league in the regular season and there is no reason to believe that they're going to be significantly worse as if if they have brought the band back and remember Brogdon missed a meaningful part of last season as well that that yeah aging would have hurt some of the guys in their team but not all of them and Giannis is on the positive side of the Ageing curve so who knows how amazing he's going to be next year so and and remember that Brogdon even if he wasn't as good as that contract he's just another option they would have they would have been able to keep everybody else if they had wanted to and maybe they would have shed some different salary or something for for to to shave off that luxury tax bill maybe Ersan Ilyusova is playing elsewhere or you maybe you don't bring George Hill back or something like that it's entirely possible as a practical consideration but Brogdon is the best of those options you know like Brogdon is the he, he makes a difference he can do more with the ball in his hands i like him defensively and then he can shoot he's a team that team a player that teams can respect his jump shot and that is extremely important for these bucks and there have been lots of examples in the past of for me of teams that got worse and the primary reason was financial and I pilloried them for it and typically ended up and not always right, but often Houston last year was another example of this. This isn't as extreme, partially because they also got a first round pick, but I'm feeling similarly about it.
1: Yeah. Right now they did stretch lure. Uh, they probably would have had to do that anyway to open up the space for Hill. And because remember, the way this would have worked is Brogdon had a extremely low cap hold as a restricted free agent. Uh, So they would have had to stretch lure anyway. Right now they are under the tax you know they would have been probably 15 million in the tax if they had brought back brogdon and you know again you mentioned they could have moved Ilya so they already did a cost-cutting move limited for this year uh, in dumping snell that's also going to save him some money for next year snell maybe could have helped them a little bit he obviously wasn't in the rotation of the playoffs but he was during the the regular year um i said this at the time let's wait and see what they do with that first and the two seconds let's see if they can upgrade uh that spot and maybe get someone who would help them a little bit more than brogdon would have of maybe be a little bit better fit or you know be close to as good they I would think you have would have to say that given the loss of Brogdon they recovered extremely well I mean getting the Wes Matthews on a one plus one at the minimum was outstanding and West might be a little bit more reliable of a shooter than some of the guys they've had in that spot maybe not Brogdon but West gets up a few more Robin Lopez as the backup center a little bit worried there that it's going to mean DJ Wilson gets completely marginalized and I wanted to see what they can go with a little bit more of a speed line. But Lopez, of course, like his brother, fits in perfectly. They're going to try and see if he can shoot some three pointers this year or not. uh George Hill, I mean, that's the point guard market did explode this year. Hill was awful for the Bucks, and then he got injured and came back and was unbelievable in the playoffs, but really had been quite middling the two regular seasons before that was not effective, particularly for the Cavs in the playoffs the year before that. Uh, always an injury risk as well. They're really relying on him to replace a lot of Brogdon's production. I'm not sure if he can do that. And that's, you know, if you want to. Say, hey, Brogdon would have been a bad contract. Well, you know, you could have just, I think Hill has the potential to be a worse contract than Brogdon. And you, as you mentioned, you could have let Hill go and then you'd only be $10 million into the tax anyway. You know, that wouldn't be as bad, maybe even as little as $5 million if you're able to move on from Ilyasova So to me, this all comes down to what do they get out of that first and two seconds that they traded for Brogdon? I agree with you. I think it's likely that they're not going to be as good as a result of that. And as a potential championship contender, cheaping out might luxury t- tax focus but i'm not willing to quite shovel dirt on on that uh tax shirking grave yet until we see what it is in fact that they do uh with that first rounder and the two seconds that they got and you know we'll see where they are at the end of the year i still even with all this have them as a slight championship favorite if only because of the easier path and
2: also i think we should spend some time talking about the the higher pro some of the high expensive moves that they made that i think will look pretty good for them so chris middleton getting a little bit yeah
1: i mean, they did get him to come back right that's got to be part. they got him
2: to come back uh, at a little bit less than his maximum five years 177.5 million brooke lopez returned we wondered about where his number was going to be ended up being four years 52 million i think that is completely reasonable and yeah i i I think they it's so crazy for me that i'm i'm giving them so i'm giving the bucks a d and i'm not giving them a like it's it
1: and i went c minus i think we're right we're both yeah
2: And, and i openly acknowledge that it could be very different after this season you know if they win the title or if it's the Brogdon absence just doesn't mean as much as I think it will then it's fine but the stakes are completely different for a team like this so they did a lot right I mean Wes Matthews for the minimum as you said like the if you took the Brogdon decision as uh as a given or as a kind of as as a not as a as a decided factor then I think they did do very well and you know getting getting some those seconds from Indy and getting that first from them for the opportunity to overpay Malcolm Brogdon is is pretty is pretty remarkable also not a huge thing because again the luxury tax issues but just one mentioning the offseason grade. It's another thing that makes me a little queasy. Remember that they did have full bird rights on Nik- Nikola Miritich and just straight up just chose not to pay him. And yeah, he was. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, considering the amount that Utah was offering, that he still went back to Europe. I didn't give them. Yeah, it. it a I, there. I I didn't, I didn't give them a demerit like,
2: either. I just wanted to mention as yeah. like another like, oh yeah, this team could have been even better if yeah. they were willing. Oh
1: yeah, it's just it's just fate complete that he's gonna be gone. It's like no, you had full bird rights on him actually. Like you know, it seemed like he was always kind of an insurance policy in case you know Lopez left or something like that but uh yeah no I, I agree with you I mean yeah it was tough for him to not play as much as, as he wanted he didn't have the shot working in, in that series against the, the Raptors but yeah
2: and and the and the, yeah. and the, and the uh, you know the trade that they made for him at the deadline made complete sense to me and even if he left and and he did and, and I mean not playing him yeah
1: if only to keep him out of Philly's hands as well that was the other suitor yeah that's true at the time uh are you ready to do next I, I did the C minus so you, you had a D there uh can we go to, move on to New York
2: yes so the Knicks- Drafted Terry sorry, drafted RJ Barrett, and uh oh god, I worked on his name for a while for the summer league things, and now I'm gonna get it wrong again. Ignis I- ignis brasdikas. brasdikas yeah. And and so they drafted those two guys and they picked up the team option on Alonzo Trier, then they signed Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, Taj Gibson, Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock, Wayne, and Wayne Ellington. And technically they they bought their way from fifty-five to forty-seven for brasdikas which I really like. I always like it when a team can move up just for cash. And the way that I want this this will be a familiar framing for Knicks fans who are listening to the offseason grades podcast is to think forward to 21-22 and what that the Knicks did this offseason will have an impact on that team in a positive negative way and I think a lot of this like all like so much of the cap space they used and a lot of that stuff is just going to end up being a zero you know like I, yes they did get a lot of team friendly second years or in the case of Julius Randle third years but I don't think there's going to be a lot of value there there and so then what you get into is the draft picks and that's rj barrett and bros and as even though i i think that there are elements of rj barrett's game that i do genuinely love i don't think he was the right pick at, at number three yeah I, I, and
1: i went for for an f plus for them this offseason and, and i think it's all about what you said barrett to me was not the right pick i probably would have had him in the five six range uh, on my personal board now you know who should they have taken i probably would have gone with garland uh, there i like kobe white better than him him too maybe you could say barrett has higher potential than white he plays a more premium position uh so you get barrett and you know they've spritzikas looks great at 47 but you know that's the second rounder we're not gonna that doesn't affect all this too much and so you still got kevin knox on this team you got dennis smith 2021 that they, they at least you know they deserve some credit part of the plus on the f plus was you know not hamstringing their cap space uh even beyond this year in most cases and, and definitely not beyond the summer of 2021 when i'm sure they uh, hope to be players uh, again in free agency but to do that all these young guys are going to have to hit and you've brought in all these guys who are basically the exact opposite of what you want around empowering and developing young players rj barrett you know shot creator kind of a gunner maybe not that efficient well you've got marcus morris and bobby portis and julius randall you know randall's a little more defensible to me because he's young and maybe he could just you know become a a star you know he, he is very productive and at least efficient you know portis morris uh you know, those guys just don't make it as much sense. Alfred Payton makes less than zero sense on this team to me. I mean, Frank Nilkina, yeah, I know Phil Jackson drafted him, so he's persona non grata, but like, you know, he was injured all last year. At least he showed some flashes to the rookie. At least give him a shot here. You know, Alfred Payton is just, you know, the apple of Scott Perry's eye, but, you know, there's very little indication that he's a, a, well, a good player. You brought, up, were, you they brought they were up.
2: talking about him starting. You brought up Frank as being marginalized. Dennis Smith yeah, could Dennis be marginalized.
1: Yeah. 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 If I didn't say him, I meant to. I mean, that's obviously another one and maybe maybe they just view smith as a thrower or whatever. i still think he has potential i think it's foolish to give up on him so early i know he's shot poorly as a nick but i mean he's got a, he's got a lot of athletic ability and some pretty decent vision yeah he's, he's had some foibles but again you know he's only a second year player or th- going into his third year as a point guard
2: right and so i i the hawks for not putting the right pieces you know to figure out what john collins is and i think the knicks Took that to another level by making it hard to evaluate their entire team, and also develop those guys. And development is an important part if you like the players you have. So R.J. Bar- Barrett somehow having worse shooting around him, or at least different spacing around him than at Duke, was kind of shocking. You know, like all these guys that that don't really have that reputation. A, a lot of players who don't give their young guys like Knox, like Dennis Smith, R.J. Barrett, the ability to explore the studio space, to see how they can do with the ball in their hands, to get driving lanes, to have defensive players around them so that we can see how they work in more modest roles on that end of the floor like that's a huge problem and also so when whenever teams get uh, like whatever team sign contracts that have lightly guaranteed things in, in the years that's that's obviously better than fully guaranteeing it because you get the the flexibility to let go of it or trade it if you don't want it however if you you know using the, the Nene test like if you went through a lot of those different contracts that they signed like Bobby Portis you know about 15 million a year Taj Gibson, not a little bit over nine, and Ellington and Peyton are at eight. You know, like, I don't think a lot of those contracts are value, are, are value contracts. So then maybe they become mechanisms for taking on multi-year salary, maybe, but it doesn't sound like the Knicks really want to do that. And other than that, though, you're just not creating that much value. So if the players are bad fits, which many of them are, not all of them, because Ellington, and and if he can actually play this year, Reggie Bullock could end up providing some spacing. But it's just like, what are you getting from that? Like, what are you getting from having Portis, Morris, Taj Gibson, and Julius Randle all on the same team
1: i think like gibson to me that's just fine it's like a backup center you know behind mitchell robinson and, and a good locker room vet i think really if they had just not signed portis and payton and instead tried to get in on like the salary dump sweepstakes with that extra 15 million or so i actually would feel much better about the free agency aspect of their offseason i'm still feeling very poorly about rj uh but you know and that and that is the most important thing that they did i mean it and you know it would have taken some real balls to pass on rj everyone was saying rj is the clear number three guy in this draft um so I, i'm uh that's one of the biggest things to me is just you know, portis makes no sense at all as just like a gunner who can't play any defense marcus morris you know maybe he could just start it at the three or the four for them and it can guard his position and shoot some you know and ellington and bullock like the you know morris likes to iso a little bit more but you can at least see him around the young guys uh but yeah peyton and portis to me are the guys who really just totally take opportunities and shots out of the hands of young guys and Randall I, he, I'm iffy on him but you know again not a huge opportunity cost there and you know a guy who's at least been really productive and efficient offensively and so you know he's a tough fit on both ends but it, at least a guy who still you know has some potential to really uh, go out there and maybe just be so good at what he does that he's worth trying to fit around probably not but you know again it, it maybe worth it um so yeah f plus for me what did you end up having
2: straight F. Orlando Whew.
1: added Alfred yeah go ahead.
2: no 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 it's fine
1: all right they, they added Alfred Kamino with the full mid-level exception on a two plus one Uh, Chima Okeke at number 16 and then they retained Nick Vucevic five five years no sorry four years 90 million Terrence Ross right around Will Barton money four years 54 million Kem Birch that was pretty good value he came back at two years six million and Michael Carter Williams returned as well they stretched Timofey Mozgov's 18 million over three years and they traded number 46 over overall for a 2020 Lakers second, which became Taylor Horton Tucker. I went for a D here um, because it just yeah they kept this team together but uh, I thought overall uh, that's good I thought Vucevic was solid you know right about where you would have thought if you're going to bring well, him Well, I, I should but, note
2: that it's four years 100, yeah. not four years 90.
1: Oh yeah, I think it might I mean, it might be guaranteed? with unlikely bonuses
2: so. that's possible.
1: Yeah, there might be some incentives or something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah it's,
2: it's possible you're more right with the way these are reported. I just wanted to. Yeah, point. I
1: was I was remembering what had been reported. Let me see it what, what uh,
2: like Pincus has it at four 100, but again. Oh
1: okay yeah that's uh, yeah. He doesn't have anything about the bonuses in there, but sometimes that doesn't come through for him until later. Sure, uh,
2: I just wanted to mention that as we were talking about the value of his.
1: Contract. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's important. um But so I think that's solid enough value there for a guy who was an all-star uh, if he can maintain his production for a couple of years. So uh, I had a D. What did you have?
2: D minus. And for for me, the reason why is they locked in a team that to me is it would be hard to expect them other than like massive growth from some of their young guys to be more than a first round out for the next couple years and they just don't have a ton of flexibility outside of that and they also didn't create much of a way to to generate upside to to really be a fundamentally different team and so the cost of not trying to get another option at point guard is massive you know and okk is out for a while he's still dealing with injury and maybe he ends up being awesome well no but apparently when he was healthy he, lo- he looked good but alfrauk aminu i think is a great example of this aminu is a talented player a player that i expected to get underpaid on the market he got closer to properly paid than I expected. But as currently constructed, he doesn't really have a role in this team. But even as, like, even if the Magic shed a few different guys, still doesn't really make much sense. So now, especially in terms of creating offense for themselves and others, they're relying so much on DJ Augustine, who now is an expiring contract. He will be an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Maybe they overpay and keep him. We'll We'll have to see. Markel Fultz, maybe if he can actually play basketball. We'll have to see on that. Evan Fournier. Vooch can be a part of a successful offense. We are we already know that but it's just such a like they were just so actively not proactive and it was bizarre because they have they're oversaturated at certain places and 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 shallow at others and actually strengthened the oversaturated places that ignored the shallow places for reasons that don't really make sense because it's not like oh man if you can get al at that price you have to do it especially with a third year player option so they to,
1: yeah and maybe you do if you're a different team sure. but they already have like two arguably better versions of him
2: that are under team control for a long time and they didn't move you know it's that yeah
1: and they still have now like zero threes on the roster and like three fours who are like kind of starting level of quality
2: right and and one point guard and it's just it's just so bizarre and also remember that they spent so much bringing everybody back though i do give them credit for vooch's contract being front-loaded i support that broadly in these circumstances because that makes it less moving forward they did the same with Aaron gordon and i think that's gonna look good ross has has a has a, a, a peak and then dips after that, but getting that expensive also made it so that they needed that they that stretching Mozgov was necessary if they wanted to avoid the luxury tax, and that put an extra eleven an extra eleven million on their books for twenty twenty and twenty one. That's not great, you know. Like that, you lose some flexibility that way, and also it's it's kind of a canary in the coal mine of why are you spending so much money. So you know, it's another thing that made me feel a little bit queasy about about what they did beyond all of the other obvious reasons. But the, the Kemberge contract, I love. So congratulations on that
1: yeah that was good uh okk a pick before Nikhil alexander walker doesn't look amazing right now either especially because he could have potentially filled a need uh you know i think a lot of people were seeing him as more of a two but he he certainly showed great point guard skill in summer league uh you'll never guess what position okk plays by the way uh i think the biggest thing you know certainly you you said there's a lack of long-term vision you can make the response that well you know what else could they have done differently other than bring these guys back i think the biggest thing that i would have done differently was number one tried to target point guard type with the mle rather than you know than uh aminu you know even someone like uh, a derrick rose you Now, granted he went to the pistons but uh sadaransky they probably didn't want to wait out the restricted free agent game with someone like tyus jones or uh, Wright. but they ended up you know right ended up getting signed and traded to the Mavs. so they, they could have been more aggressive maybe going after someone i think they had maybe better playing time situations to offer and a better long-term role to offer than some of those teams at the those guys went to and then I probably would have just either negotiated Terrence Ross down more or just let him go I think Ross is was an important creator for them to be sure but if they actually had something at point guard he's less important as as a second unit creator. I mean he did quietly average I think almost 20 points a game last year which is insane but it wasn't like ridiculous efficiency and he just we saw again in the playoffs he just has so many limitations defensively if this team is ever going to try to take the next step and then if they had not brought back ross like that they could have avoided wouldn't have had to stretch Mazgov to get out of the tax which i mean for a team like this at this level to be stretching someone to get out of the tax seems to not make a lot of sense to me so those are probably the two things i would have definitely ended up again with the d there you know i didn't think this was a horrible offseason i think it Minou is not a bad contract, but you know he certainly doesn't fill some of the obvious needs that they had. I think they overpaid a little bit uh, for Ross, and, and I, I think I would have just bit the bullet and let him go and not had to stretch Mozgov and hope to do something more at point guard instead. Should we move to Philly? This is another one which is extremely difficult.
2: It is, and a lot of that comes from the, the, just se- the severity of their overhaul, which we did not necessarily see as possible. So they—actually, let's start briefly with the retentions, because they're— important to, to mention as well and they can get lost well, in hey,
1: so so actually here I, I, do you have a I way you want, a way to want to do this go about this yeah all right let's start with this they basically swapped out jj reddick and jimmy butler for al horford and josh richardson is that a win for the long-term future of this franchise
2: oof i think it's close especially because i like that you have like the the way the aging curve plays out because horford is horford is older not than reddick but then like so you have horford and reddick that are kind of on the downside of their career butler's getting closer to that and then josh richardson i i you know, I think it's a little bit dependent on context. I think I would rather have Richardson and Horford than Reddick and Butler personally, though the Sixers, you know, they might be in a different place just because of what Butler brought last year.
1: Yeah, I think you can argue that for this year, they might have been a little bit better off with Butler and JJ. But JJ, I mean, he's at the age where he could just fall off a clip at any time. And Butler is not the same player even in the regular season anymore as he was a couple of years ago in the playoffs, obviously he was very very good and he leaves a big hole uh, as a pick and roll created there richardson is younger under team control for two more years and probably not going to be a player that they can extend because he just makes too little so but they will have full bird rights they'd have the ability to retain him and then horford you know while you might say butler is younger and might maintain his production a little bit better over the these next four years horford is bigger he's not a locker room problem he can shoot he's a really intelligent player and you know if you want to compare Richardson to Butler, and you want to compare Horford to Reddick, I think you you would have to agree that Horford is more likely to maintain, you know, give you a lot more production over the next four year four years. So, uh, and Richardson is another guy who could be tradable again as well if if you need to. uh So, I think that is a marginal upgrade when you look at the overall production over the next four years in particular. You know, because you would say you'd rather have Richardson and Horford than Butler, right? And if you say, well, Reddick, you know, is it another year or two and he's done? It, That's a a big part of this. So I do think that they won that swap ultimately, and they did it in a creative way that I don't think anyone really saw coming. So I give them some credit there also.
2: Yeah, I do too. And I think that's a part of why I was overall positive on their offseason. The other so the other big moves they made were retentions. Tobias Harris, five year full max contract starting at thirty two seven. And I'm I'm not super positive about that. I I think that Harris is more of a complimentary player than a star. And for those players, the thirty max isn't the bargain that it is for a superstar and then they also committed to give ben simmons a max extension that will have a 15 percent trade bonus we don't know the terms of that because it uh it well, i mean the actual numbers because we have to see what the 2020 cap is
1: yeah but we do know that he didn't get a player option yes and it only steps up you know if he makes third team All-NBA I think it's 28% second team is 29 and 30% of the cap he makes first team All-NBA and, and as Derek Bodner has said on the excellent Sixers Beat podcast you're happy to pay him that extra money if he proves to be worth you know if he's making All-NBA absolutely and he's that good
2: yeah and that gives him plenty of motivation to to push this year beyond all of the I mean the Sixers potentially being, being such a dangerous team in the East and everything else so yeah so th- how do you feel about the Tobias Harris contract?
1: Poorly uh, but necessary i mean it's still he's a sub all-star level of player i don't think he's going to get beyond that he does deserve credit for how he's improved every year and he's going to have every option or every opportunity i should say to get better offensively this year he's going to have the ball in his hands more because they are missing that primary pick and roll creator at this point in time um so but you know that's that's not great i mean i would you know that's both he and chris middleton i don't think he's as useful as even chris middleton so you don't feel great about that but you know this is a team that you have you pay to keep a, the team like this together, when they're a clear number two uh, in the East right now, and maybe even the they'll be number one. So I, I think it's uh, the, and because he had the lower cap hold of only about twenty two million, uh, they were able to use that to re-sign Horford. You know, the, it wasn't an option of where they couldn't have kept Butler instead of him and still gotten Horford. You know, so so that was kind of part of this too. Uh, was that they got more spending power right away here with his low cap hold to, when he committed to come back, right?
2: And that's also um, the benefit of getting Harris via trade earlier instead of just signing him as an unrestricted free agent, which, I mean, considering what they offered, they probably would have, they could have been the best offer for Harris, theoretically, if he had finished the season on the Clippers.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, If we want to get into some of their more minor moves, uh, you know, retaining James Ennis on a one plus one right around the minimum uh, was good. Um, Mike Scott, you know, I I don't, he can shoot. They needed someone uh, as a backup power forward. But, you know, I kind of would have preferred maybe some other guys who got the room Your Garrett Temple. I don't know about Justin Holiday. He might be a little bit too unreliable as a shooter over Scott. But I really worry about Scott defensively, and you know he's basically entirely reliant on his shooting to be an effective player. So maybe they could have done a little bit better there than having to use their room exception on him. Because remember, they had to renounce him because uh, they needed all that space for Horford. Um, They
2: they also got squeezed, Alfred Payton style, by by everybody knowing they like Matisse Thiebaud. So they had to give up the thirty third pick to move up from twenty four to twenty to take him after boston boston selected him they also got two atlanta seconds for number 34 and then they used the 42nd pick to jump jonathan simmons 1 million dollars and they also got some cash from the wizards who drafted admiral admiral scuff
1: yeah it it does seem like they are not really doing a great job with all all these seconds that that they've had uh, over the years um and and maybe you could say too if you're and and probably some of those picks they tried to trade for Nikola mirotic and they just couldn't i mean it's kind of kind of a bummer that they had all these seconds and just just weren't really able to make any impact moves at the trade deadline that maybe helped them beat toronto with a little more depth um and, and then to just really get so little for some of these seconds but theiple you know it, it'll all be worth it if he turns into a rotation player and it, he looked about as advertised like what i saw from him defensively in summer league uh one thing that i gave him as a little bit of a demerit on was tj mcconnell who we barely i don't know if we even talked about him at all in the pacers section because we had so much more to talk about with them but he signed a a two-year six million dollar deal second year totally nine guaranteed with the Pacers and I think they should have beaten that offer just to bring him back number one as a human trade exception but number two because I know he's a terrible fit with Simmons but he's still a quality regular season player and at that at that price like why not it it wouldn't have cost them anything they had full bird rights on it so why not bring him back and then you know either another team would have been interested in him or they could have just provided some matching salary because they're a little limited now in in terms of their ability to make trades going forward here but uh, with all that I, I think they took a step back offensively but I think they could be like one of the greatest defensive teams that we've seen if everything hits for them and you know they they could eat very easily make it to the finals they didn't take a major step back they had a lot of variables coming in they managed to work the situation out in a creative way and so i, I gave them a b minus overall which again you remember a c is you basically left your franchise about the same as, as it started the offseason i think they're in better shape than when they started the offseason uh especially for you know two three four years down the line here than they might have been so that hence the b minus i
2: gave them him a b plus one uh, other move two other things i want to mention briefly one i liked getting hollow Neto as well just a, a depth point guard oh yeah i, I, I like him one. he could end up being a part I mean, of the i team. think
1: he's actually better than mcconnell for that, i agree he can stay healthy i agree you don't get the human
2: trade exception benefit but but you do get a, a superior point guard for their team the other big part of their offseason which i consider downgrading them for but we're just going to have to see is they significantly committed to paying the tax long term so if they're willing to do it if it does if the sands don't change underneath their feet that's totally fine but if they do then that becomes a problem and we've seen that in the past of like teams that make these major expenditures because especially if they're more into the future and go oh okay and then when the time comes then they have to make these cost-cutting moves that end up being being tough so that's a possibility i didn't really factor it in too much but when we look back on the 2019 offseason for them that is something that we should we should think about
1: man this has really been a long episode i there's just so much to talk about i mean i should have realized that i guess we were talking about what a seminal offseason this was as it was happening i guess there'd be a lot to discuss but let's move to the 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 Raptors here, I'm taking it as fate accompli. They're going to lose Kawhi. Sure, I I
2: didn't downgrade them them at all for that.
1: For that at all. And, and, you know, honestly, losing Danny Green, I mean, I'm just not sure that it made sense to come with the type of money that the Lakers did, you know, especially with the plan to get younger and hopefully use cap space next summer or or the summer after. Uh, So, you know, they lost those two guys, but uh, I still gave them a D plus even there because they didn't use any of their exceptions, at least not yet. Uh, You know, I thought they did okay with some of these low cost signings, but you know there's nothing special there and then why the hell they needed to give eight million guaranteed over two years to Patrick McCaw I have no idea and that's you know that's they're open to use cap space next summer like that's actually some some kind of an opportunity cost there uh so you know I think Stanley Johnson Rondé Hollis Jefferson get some more athleticism on the wing hope that you can get those guys to shoot uh, and develop them they've had a lot of success developing guys so you know those are totally good flyers the type of the type we always say that teams should take uh but you know the McCaw thing didn't make any sense and they didn't use their their exceptions uh, so uh that gets you uh actually i think they might have technically oh they did
2: that's how i was going to get to that uh, that's part uh, of on McCaw. i gave them a d plus partially because of how they used their exceptions so they
1: ended up yeah that's right because i guess they didn't have bird they didn't have bird McCaw. rights
2: on macaw yeah, so they right. macaw and ronde Hollis jefferson and then they also got got portions of the mle and then they also did something that i broadly support if teams don't have ways to spend it they used part of their oh, yeah, MLE. that's right
1: i forgot hollis jefferson uh, yeah they, they kind of they, they did use their yeah exceptions. because then I duan duan hernandez just... and
2: matt thomas they used the remainder part a lot of the remainder on those guys just giving them more than two years because that's what you have to do if a team is.
1: Yeah, and Stanley Johnson was uh, BAE, was BAE yeah. and and uh yeah, okay. All right. So sorry, Raptors, I I uh you, you did use that, but I still But uh but to me that right, made I, it I'm gonna t- actually upgrade them to a C Oh see
2: right, I downgraded them because I just thought using using a bunch of the MLE on Patrick McCaw was a poor was a poor use of it, especially given well, the, the other thing team is character. I mean
1: it was July 6th by the time they sure. uh, knew what was going on. You know, yeah, and knew that they would even have the full MLE. Yeah. and the BAE as opposed to the taxpayer. So
2: Yeah, and so so for me, I mean, Stanley Johnson was their highest paid new addition, and I don't particularly love him. You know, it's, I mean, it's still the question of like, can't he shoot? He has strength, and and maybe there is some defense potential there, but with OG and Anobi, I don't think they needed, you know, going after a Kawhi kind of replacement wasn't as big of a deal. They just really didn't add much shooting unless Matt Thomas makes it into their rotation. We'll see what happens with guys like De- uh, Devin Robinson, and then remember they also, signed uh, Terrence Davis after he had been a standout for early on for the Nuggets in Summer League he he signed with the Raptors so if some of those marginal ones work out well it could look better but it's just such and, and again this is no downgrade whatsoever for losing for losing Kawhi they did everything they could they made a reasonable they, they championship season everything like that it's just like okay you, you lost Kawhi just a, a strange series of moves and as you said like giving McCaw guaranteed money for an extra year and giving Stanley Johnson guaranteed money for an extra year because he has a player option <laughs> for 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 2020 both of those things are just i think they were unnecessary
1: yeah maybe so i i, I mean i i'll stick with the c minus what did you have for them eventually I, i've d plus say it again d plus yeah okay so we're, we're pretty we're much, much in the c- same mind. range here i just the, and the reason it's below average to me is the macaw thing and and yeah stanley going a little harder there than, than maybe was necessary um washington wizards yeah especially to give him the player option man like like to not get that 3.5 million i mean that seems like more than he would have gotten elsewhere to get it for two years years and at least give yourself some upside um but anyway sorry let, let, let's t- turn to the wizards here finish it out uh I went with a d overall and, and I think a, a way I want to talk about this is what would you say uh, I have three things that I thought were really consequential that they did um what would you say is the most consequential thing that they did so
2: I would say the decision to draft Hashimura I mean that's a that's a pretty big resource that they used to to draft a player I mean anytime anytime you're really in the top 10 and Hashimura was drafted ninth I think that's the most important, but. Would you say the? I mean, the other two are probably Saturanski, letting letting him go via sign and trade, and then using the MLE on Ish.
1: Well, no, I, the other two I had, one. the number one oh, thing Beale. that I had is, is not trading Bradley
2: Yeah, Beals. that's a great point.
1: Yeah. Um, and then number two, actually even more so than Hachimura, was their front office where they fired Ernie Grunfeld. And then after waiting and waiting and waiting to make an offer to Tim Conley, which they were supposedly stunned that he turned down, then there was talk that they would make an offer to Masai Ujiri. And it seemed like it was made known to them through back channels that he was so uninterested that it wasn't even worth making an offer. So they then denied that they ever had interest in him, and then they went with Tommy Shepard. And I think some of the process things are encouraging so far. You know, they hired Dean Oliver to join the bench uh, with Scott Brooks, uh, Sashi Brown coming over from football's Cleveland Browns. uh You know, and they just have overall uh, going to have a more inclusive process in the front office. All of that sounds good, but then again, the actual moves so far that have been made—the two biggest ones—not trading Beal and the drafting of Hachimura. And neither of those uh, am I. Particularly particularly high on so while well, you can say that and the drafting of Hachimura you know some of these other guys hadn't come in yet and you know, was the interim GM making the move so maybe that's not indicative of what it's going to be going forward and you know obviously the trading or not trading of Beal that could be an ownership decision uh, and maybe you'll you'll end up having to give Shepard credit for uh, not just like moving some deck chairs around and like trying to be good this year and like making it obvious that Beal has to be traded maybe he'll look like a genius for like that's the only way that he that Leonis will uh, eventually be convinced that Beal has to be traded but man I mean you think of some of the players that changed teams and and the assets that were exchanged well for those players and you know it was, it was said in the reporting about the Clippers pursuit of Paul George that they were trying they they inquired about Bradley Beal and it was just told that he wasn't available I mean and yeah maybe they wouldn't have gotten as much back from the Clippers as you know Oklahoma City did for Paul George because Paul George is better than Beal uh they certainly you know even half of what they ended up getting from the Clippers to me if they could have just gotten Shea and a couple of picks that would have been enough for me to to make as an obvious move
2: right and I mean the guys that changed teams got an absolute mint and and a lot of the kind of the idea of the two-for-one for for the Kawhi Leonard thing where they needed to add somebody to get Kawhi Leonard the Clippers that could have been Bradley Beal they called them before OKC because they didn't think Paul George was on the market and yeah it could have been an absolute heist there and they also like another couple of, of strange moves like I like Thomas Bryan I thought it was a nice story claiming him off waivers and having him thrive in the absence of Dwight Howard three years 25 million is a lot of money for him especially a center who is not good at yeah. defense you know like how 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 valuable and, and, and is that
1: why not just why not just play the restricted free agent game with him especially because if he takes the qualifying offer he's just restricted again next year
2: yeah it's the, it's the Del Vidova situation where just because you're restricted free agent one year does not mean that you're unrestricted the next
1: yeah because it, it takes you if you are restricted free agent after your second year then if you're a free agent again after your third year it takes until your fourth year if you're a, uh, to be unrestricted, if you're not a first round pick.
2: So I, I didn't like that. My single favorite move that the Wizards did in the offseason was using a trade. I mean, it was a move that probably shouldn't have happened in hindsight. They used one of their trade exceptions to acquire Davis Bertans And I like Davis Bertans and having him at $7 million is totally reasonable. Now, I wish, I bet San Antonio wishes they could have that back because when Marcus Morris backed out of his deal, which they had already facilitated without, with, with the kind of the double sign in trade with the Mark. Carroll and, Bur- and or not double sign trade with with Bertans that so but Washington benefited they they couldn't back out of that or anything so I think that worked out well for them Sadoransky signing a completely reasonable deal and them not keeping him I think that's a mistake you know just yeah they did yeah, get they
1: did they did get the two seconds for him
2: yeah and the two seconds and, and those could like especially the Memphis 2022nd could end up being pretty good I mean I don't, I don't expect the Grizzlies to be great this year but Sadoransky totally reasonable player and have it you know I I, I think he's a positive value contract after this year at the price that Chicago got him for so even if it th- theoretically been matching that I think that would have been fine but yeah the most important thing here is Beal and the other the other one I mean it again it wasn't you know much of an opportunity cost for the Wizards but it'll be interesting to see how the Wagner, Isaac Bonga, Jamario Jones part of this so they basically facilitated that the additional component of the anthony davis trade i wonder how we feel about that like it certainly it's just like lottery ticket type of stuff but it, i don't know it, uh, that could end up looking better if any one of those guys steps up and it is and three roster spots actually helps the wizards more than than other teams because they weren't in a crunch because they dad like nobody on this team so we'll see
1: yeah and they obviously you know could just move on from some of those guys if they don't look good in camp uh if they want to go another direction with the roster spots but yeah i mean i thought the they did a solid job working around the margins for some of these things but you know Hachimura if you want to know more about why you know I'm a little lower on that pick we talked about him on, on last week's episode uh so we'll see how this turns out I mean I think a D ultimately is where I ended up because the the not trading deal to me I think is not gonna end up I mean, I mean who knows maybe they'll get a king's ransom for him eventually he he obviously is not interested in signing an extension now maybe they'll even extend him next summer uh but you know I think it, if anything his value is only going to go down especially being on this sorry outfit well, uh well, and- you know, and- Certainly. parallel
2: paralleling Kemba having him around is it going to make him more amenable to resigning because they're going to suck
1: uh yeah I mean the, their defense is going to be atrocious I mean just looking at who the second best players we be, I mean maybe you could say ish Smith for the next two years and two at a cheaper price and two seconds better than having Sadoransky I disagree Sadoransky is younger but you could say you could say they needed more of like a every down pick and roll option than what Sadoransky can provide I, I disagree though I think Smith is not a good fit next to Peel due to his uh questionable shooting Sadoransky's not a great shooter either but he at least will make him when he's wide open and he's better defensively than Smith. So uh, what did you end up with again? I, I had a D just to reiterate. I also had a D. All right, and we will be back next week. Not sure what we're going to do that yet, actually. Uh, anything that you want to talk about before we go here?
2: Yeah, I I did the first of the, what I call the Division Capsule Podcast for Real Jam Radio. So that's off-season review and regular season preview on the Northwest with David Locke and Adam Maris. And it was a lot of fun. We went for like two hours. So it's this this is like the second two-hour podcast I've done in the last few days. So you can listen to that at Real Jam Radio and I will have a new episode out later this week.
0: All right, talk to you all soon. Till then.